0: There is a nude exhibit at this uh, museum they really like. And apparently my dad really likes nude paintings. For so the entire weekend, he kept walking around and he was like, every time we'd like talk about it, he's like, oh, yeah, there's this great exhibit. You know, I'm into nudes. And I'm like, Dad, please stop saying that. Because it just, there, there's no way to say that and not sound like a complete creep. <laughs> Your dad
1: totally, totally has some dick pics on his phone. <laughs> oh my god! Stop! Ah, can't no. figure out
2: how to delete.
1: No, I actually really doubt that. <laughs> you say that, but here's the thing: not that he's been wanting to keep them, but that because like he's taken the picture and then can't figure out how to delete it. Mm. Probably also sent some to your mom.
0: Welcome to Nailu Week again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Bubbles, and I'm joined today by my witty co-hosts, Joe and Shaheen. Hello. Say hi, guys. Hi. Um, You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, We also love fan feedback, so you can feel free to come yell at us on Twitter at maywegeekagain we Geek Again or at MayweGeek Again at gmail.com. And of course we're always um do we post these on is there a humans Reddit? Yeah there is yeah. like five people go to it but we definitely have
1: posted it on okay. the humans subreddit. Cool.
0: And of course we always post the episodes to Reddit in case you enjoy long form discussion. This is episode 77 of our podcast and we're going to be talking about humans season two, episodes one and two um, keep in mind this is a rewatch podcast, so we will be spoil. There will be spoilers for future episodes and seasons. Yep. Um, great to have you guys here. We usually start with giving some information about ourselves and a quick icebreaker game. Um, this week's icebreaker game is: If you were a robot who became sentient, what name would you give yourself? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um. All right.
0: Who wants to go first?
1: Uh, I'll go.
3: Go first, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, my name is Joe. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. I have cats. They are not in my recording studio slash office right now, so you won't hear them yelling at me unless they remember that I am up here and start wailing at the door. And squeezing um, their
3: arms under the
1: door. Oh my god, little assholes. <laughs> um, if I were a synth that just woke up, I would name myself well, fuck, it depends on if I had a name before because then it would be confusing, but maybe it wouldn't be confusing because you're a robot and you can just, like, (laughs) modify your software to, like, suddenly respond to that name. Okay, so, like, whatever. When my girlfriend and I were traveling last week, like, we would be in a crowd somewhere, and if she would say Joe, I might hear it, but if she used my full name, like, she, or just said Joanna, I would turn around to it, even though no one really calls me Joanna, like, in real life anymore. Um, Like, most people are just lazy and go with Joe. So it's, like... It was super weird to be like to have that like lizard part of my brain remember my full name and be like, "What? What do you need?" She's like, "Why do you respond to that?" <laughs> so I don't have an answer for you. Uh, maybe I would just call myself Synth. That's a good. That's like a cool futurist name.
0: <laughs> that's like when people um, who don't speaking en- is it people who don't speak English when they see the the birth certificate say like, "I'll name her Female." That's a great name. <laughs> Yes, um, exactly.
1: Or maybe I could just be Joe Bot. Get it, Joe Bot.
0: Uh. <laughs> all right, that's that's all I got.
3: Okay, point. okay. Shaheen. Uh Hi, my name is Shaheen. I live in Pittsburgh. I I study philosophy. <laughs> I
2: have to
3: say that sentence with, with Persian accent. I don't know if you realized I put an e in front of study. Um, <laughs> um, and I have one cat who is sitting right here behind my computer um she loves sitting on my papers um yeah and so if i were um synth who just became conscious and i i would have questions about what that means exactly um but how much do i know you would well
1: actually your own consciousness (laughs) you'd wake up and be like hold up i have i have questions (laughs)
3: Well, I have questions about what exactly you mean by wake up and what what this show means. Right. We're going to talk about that. But okay, But okay. So do I know like the history of philosophy? Yes. Have I downloaded that at some point?
0: Well, I guess it it would depend what kind of robot you were, as we see with the robot who um, was from Spain. Um, he was a a mechanical robot, so he didn't have like uh, language modules installed. So it it seems like depending on what kind of work you do is the kind of module you have installed. But I think if we model this around like who we are in our jobs today, and like do the counterpart of a robot for that. Uh So say you're like a um a robot professor. So yes, you do have a philosophy (laughs) module installed.
3: (laughs) Great. Then I think I'll call myself Rainy because that's. Descartes' name and Descartes Descartes was the one the first person to uh, really realize the significance of the fact that we are aware of our own existence um, Mm -hmm. and that that awareness is something that you can't doubt your own existence is something that you can't doubt because you're aware of it you're aware of it and in order to be aware of anything at all um, you have to exist (laughs) So, uh, it's a really incredible phenomenon, consciousness. um Yeah, so I would call myself Rainy. even though I don't really. I'm not like a big Descartes fan, but it just it's fitting. It's a good name. <laughs> it's fitting it to the situation because cool. I would just be waking up and be like, "Oh man, I think, therefore I am," and, <laughs> and that would be yeah. So I'd be like, "Now I understand what this shit means." I've been teaching it forever.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Like that, how could, cause, cause in the show they have like, you know, synths who are like therapists, for example. And a lot of that can just be kind of like, you know, her sort of reading biological signals. Cause you know, they can pick up like heartbeat and like, you know, other sort of like little chemical changes yeah. or whatever. And like, maybe just kind of like following like a language pattern. But like, I'm guessing trying to like philosophize, um, is probably, I wonder, if I wonder if they could do that.
2: I feel like maybe they'd be
0: better equipped than some of the other synths to understand what's happening to them and like what it means.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I meant
1: like unconscious ones.
0: Oh.
3: Right. Like they could teach it as in they could like uh, repeat it and say things that, yeah. But do they understand what it's about? Because yeah, a lot of philosophy is about consciousness and self-consciousness. Wild.
0: What about you, I don't think they'd understand
2: it.
3: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, mean, there's a lot of philosophy that's not about that, and I guess, yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: my name is Bubbles. I'm in New York City. Um, I, my name,
1: I mean, why, you would just be Bubs, right? Like, (laughs) ditch, ditch your government name,
0: and. Uh, I think I'd be Owl because i would probably pick an animal name if like my synth counterpart was like my me counterpart um and i think owl sounds cute as a name (laughs) so i feel like i'd name myself that but it also it's like not really a name so because i love the scene where the guy is like um what was the word it was like a mechanical word radiator he's like i'm also really pulled to the word radiator but apparently that's not a name <laughs> i thought that was so cute <laughs> yeah so yeah cool i like that he said that he was oddly attracted to the word
1: and i was like yeah because you're a robot and you want to like you have you know you want to bang a radiator right I, I got you i got you i'm not going to take shame you but <laughs> those sexy lines mm-hmm. i know
3: is there yeah. a lot of noise coming from my mic because Dio was nope. like jerking off with it
1: Um, i feel like like, bonsai
3: is
0: probably (laughs) drowning out everything else
3: yeah no it's okay she's not biting me okay
0: (laughs) that's fine don't worry about it (laughs) this is a pet friendly environment so we don't have a choice
3: yeah (laughs) as long as she Um, leaves the microphone alone you can can.
0: (laughs) (laughs) cool so um What was everyone's overall takes for these last two episodes? Jen, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So it's interesting. Like, so the first episode, I would argue, not a ton happened because kind of what this show does really well is in the very first episode of each season you kind of get all of these like fragmented little bits of storylines like we kind of check in with everyone that we know and a couple of new people obviously because you know we have Carrie Ann Moss this season which was a delightful surprise the first time I saw it because obviously I love her from the Matrix um I didn't know that that was her (laughs) until you wrote that in the notes and I looked
3: her up
2: I
1: don't know she grows short (laughs) hair (laughs) <laughs> completely different person. Um yeah. so so the way that the first episode goes is you kind of get a thesis of what the character arcs are going to be. Um but you don't necessarily know that. You know, it kind of just feels just a little bit fragmented. And so, you know, we get these sort of like really kind of interesting little um I don't know, just yeah, like a, for lack of a better word, like a thesis for each character of where we're going to go um and you know what we're going to sort of deal with them. Um so you know, Joe losing his job uh laura you know starting to like really you know get involved in in the fight for for conscious synthetic personhood um uh maddie you know like they mentioned no, you know she's in school like we get a little bit more, more with her the next episode but you know max and um leo are sort of you know the the robot underground railroad um niska is going to sort of niska i think has probably one of the best storylines uh, especially mm-hmm. of season two in my opinion like you know she kind of gets her own love story but she also you know sort of learns about because she kind of entered humanity sort of hating humans like understandably given her sort of what her job was uh mm-hmm. before you know as sort of like forced prostitution and being conscious during it um so you know she comes into humanity with a ton of baggage but you know I think her journey this season is, you know, kind of learning to love, learning that, you know, there is nuance in humanity, um, which I think was, was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? Mia and handsome bro, who apparently his name is Ed, um, you know, and kind of Mia sort of, kind of having the opposite sort of thing where she kind of becomes disillusioned with humanity. Cause she kind of entered into it as like being yeah. like super pumped on people, um, you know, with her consciousness and then being like, Oh, dudes can be shitty. Cool. Cool. Um, and then, you know, we get the introduction of uh, Dr. Morrow and V, which is, you know, a super interesting storyline, especially coming from season three, where we see what V sort of becomes, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of it. And so, yeah, I just, I, I I personally think that probably season two is maybe my favorite season of Humans, um, which is saying a lot because I kind of just really love the show overall. Um, but yeah, I, I I will say the first episode, great. And then the second episode, you know, we kind of okay, this is what we are promised in this season, and now we're going to kind of dig into it. So, you know, I I love the show. It's a little slow, but as a whole, it's really, really good.
0: Yeah, I agree. Shaheen?
3: Um, Yeah, it's interesting that you should mention The Matrix because, um, and the fact that um, Trinity, sorry, what's her real name?
0: Carrie Ann Moss?
3: Yeah. Oh, in the show? No, yeah, the actress... Um so yeah because I was actually thinking that um I like this show in a lot of ways um for the same reasons that I, that I like the Matrix which is I like it when the story has like a regular story layer um and then also a deeper philosophical layer um mm-hmm. such that like you can Watch it and understand it and enjoy it and everything makes sense um without ever getting into any philosophy. Um so everything in the story is there uh for a reason within the story, not because the authors want to teach us philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um so the, it satisfies Aristotle's criterion of, of a good narrative, which is everything within it necessitates uh its own elements. Mm-hmm. Um and, but also if you want, you can't always, there's always these deeper layers that are going on and uh, you can't talk about that and they fit nicely into the narrative without being like preachy or didactic or whatever. Um, so yeah, I really like that about the show uh, and that's, you know, it's not easy to do. So it's really cool. And a lot of the dialogues, like, especially with dialogues, cause like dialogues that have philosophical, um meat to them um but you can if you can write them in a way that um it's just on its own makes sense as something that these people would be talking about uh in this situation uh then that's you know that's really um it's a good job it's hard to do (laughs) um the other thing i want to say is i want more parent
1: more karen oh peter and karen yeah yeah
3: they're so cute
1: it's such, like, a weird little, I mean, like, I'll I'll certainly talk about it a little bit more, but, like, they did such an interesting job of, like, Pete finally coming around being like, yeah, you know, like, sometimes I just forget that, like, you're a synth, but, like, it's cool, like, I'm super into it, and you can tell that, like, Karen doesn't want to be a synth, like, she wants to be human, and, like, yeah. it's such, like, a really sort of interesting, because you have someone like Niska who fucking loves being a synth, mm-hmm. and, like, that's who she is. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, they're really, yeah, they're cute. And like, in some ways, you know, in the future going to be a little bit sad, but like, yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's a nice little, like, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah they have a
3: really I, nice arc
0: too. Yeah. One of the things that like struck me while watching these first two episodes is how much a role trauma plays in shaping everyone's experience and who they are as a result. And so just like I humans. think, yeah, just like humans, exactly. What? <laughs> um, what? But like it's it's so interesting because I feel like the show, like you said, checking it, like it really interweaves everything very nicely. So it's not preachy. It's not like forcing a philosophical narrative. It has a narrative that happens to also have philosophical elements. Um, and so the idea of like, like you can trauma, choose whether or not you want to think. Exactly. And, like, and the the idea that, like, trauma feeds into who you are, and not always, like, in a negative way, you know? It's, like, sometimes, like, the the hard things we've dealt with, like, make us better people or et cetera, whatever. Um, but, like, I think, like, we see that with Karen where she, um, her, her family rejected her, you know, her robot family. And so she wants so much to be accepted by the humans and be a human because those are the people who have been nice to her um so it's interesting
3: yeah and she was created to uh replace a human Mm -hmm. and she was rejected so you can Mm -hmm. you can say that that's just the um her the wound she's covering yeah that's always been her frustrated desires to be accepted as a human because that's what she was created for and was immediately rejected like as soon as (laughs) as soon as elster brings her in it's like I have a surprise for you. They're like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. <laughs> like that's the first that's thing so she sad. saw after she was, was came into existence. <laughs> like,
2: no, that's so You open your eyes into
3: the world, and there's this dude, and he's like, "Come on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something amazing." And then it's a bunch of people yelling at you. Um, yeah. So
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> She's the baby that got thrown out with the bathwater. <laughs> um. <laughs> so let's get into episode one. And we're going to start with um, a character that, as Joe said, is has one of the best stories. Um, and so I think we start with Niska in a really interesting place um, because she has this, this weight weighing down on her, which is to, um, you know, to give life or to not give life to all these synths. And, um, and on top of that, you know, she's, she's not had the best experience with people. And even though that she had good experiences with the family, um, she was always an outsider in that, you know, she's never really had an experience to her own. Um, so. Right. Well, and the fact that, um, Leo's dad. Also yes, used her as exactly. a sex bot.
1: Like the other ones were created as like Leo's like friends or whatever. And it's yeah. like Niska also got the extra bonus of being his sex bot. And you're like, yeah. Ugh.
0: So the negatives outweigh the positives. Um. So like she if they like, call him
1: father, yeah, dad
0: fucked her. It's it's, <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> um. And so I think like the intro story to this, um, her kind of like dealing with all of these things in a solitary way that she does because she's just angsty. Um, robot. Oh my God, she's so um, angsty and yeah, so angsty. So then we introduce this dynamic. Which, uh, Joe, do you want to talk about it? I know that you really liked it. I really oh, liked the, it, the and the gay Street shit too. Yes, the gay shit. Well, uh, I'm not even like honestly. Though I I wrote up a whole thing, and I realized they didn't even mention it was like gay because like <laughs> it's just it's like it's it's really like it's not a token relationship that you see sometimes on television.
1: No, like, the show overall is pretty straight and they could have, like, on many shows sort of course corrected, um, you know, in a later season and been like, but look, we're inclusive. Look at this token gay relationship. Except this ends up being... First of all, Astrid is a fully formed person. Like you get so much of a sense of who she is within, you know, the first episode. You know, especially like you know how she kind of flirts with Niska and then like mm-hmm. kind of talks back to her and like doesn't take her shit. And she's I think confident. She yeah, she she's is. got this confidence, and I think that you know it's 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 really interesting to see Niska's reaction to someone who wants her because she wants her, not, like, as a conquering or anything like that. Like, at, at a certain point, Astrid's like, you know, hey, man, if you're not into it, like, cool. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to overstep. Like, I think, I think it's, it's, it's great to see Niska interact one-on-one with someone who doesn't have the same expectations of her as, you know, all of her previous human relationships. And then also sort of, you know, going a step further and Niska sort of realizing that she might be gay like or at least you know at the very least she is attracted to this person i'm assuming that there were probably not a lot of women who frequented the brothel that niska
0: was a slave at um
1: i I just wondered
0: if all robots were just bisexual because that's not like well
3: i I wrote that down as a question i mean what would sexuality even mean to a robot right i mean this actually is very related to what um you like to talk about bubs with evolution right because like Sex means nothing without evolution. Um, My understanding is that sex exists because uh, um, that's what makes us resistant to bacteria. Um.
1: (laughs) Such a romantic
3: (laughs) Well, if you look at um,
2: species that
3: that have non-sexual reproduction, Mm -hmm. uh, when the concentrations of microorganisms in their environment increases, there are some organisms that can switch to sexual reproduction um, and that's usually when they do it and the the reason is that when you have sex you're mixing your genes so you because as a large organism you you uh, mutate much slower than than the microorganisms so sex is kind of like a um, um, mutation that we force on our children Um, (laughs) so that they're not exactly like you they're not a copy of you they're they're always a little different so we're we're more resistant and even so i mean the vast majority of deaths in history was because of microorganisms um but yeah anyway so like a robot has none so like sex exists for completely other reasons and like they wouldn't have it now in terms of now what does that mean in terms of them their attraction to other people or whether they can even be attracted to others
0: yeah well because people. sex for them is purely social in terms of like it's not about procreation it's about like emotional social um, yeah I, I like I'm saying human because they're modeled after humans I guess but it's all about like the connection and the they pleasure intimacy. from it. yeah so yeah. It, it's um I don't I don't know if they have the capacity to form preferences based on their experiences. Um, I'm mm-hmm. that's my assumption because it does seem like so much of their personalities are based on the experiences that they've had, like people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be that they're not programmed to favor asex either way. Yeah, but Just that, that the experiences that they have, they come to have an attraction based on what's been the best experiences for them personally um and yeah so we don't know if this is a new thing for her or if there were women who frequented the brothel because yeah. I'm, either way is a headcanon. but
1: yeah i'm gonna go with probably not just because yeah. like not many women frequent s- sex workers as compared to men yeah um but you know i i think i as as far as their storyline goes um You know, later on, like, we kind of got the beginning of the setup by the end of episode two where Niska turns herself in um, and, you know, they're actually going to bring in Astrid later to sort of Mm -hmm. as part of this, like, you know, is she conscious proof? And Astrid is going to find out that Niska is, you know, a synth and sort of what that does to her because she sees her as a person. And so I think I just really sort of love the way that they brought in another character to help Niska sort of along her her journey of, and one of my favorite scenes later on is, and I'll bring this up when, when that episode airs, um, but, you know, Astrid teases her basically just being like, oh, this is why you're being so fucking dramatic. Like, I'm the first person you've ever been in love with. Um, which is yeah. is is honestly one of my favorite scenes of this whole show because it kind of takes you back as as a person watching it, being like, "Oh yeah, I was a fucking retard the very first time." Sorry, don't <laughs> use that word. Uh, I you know I was a fucking idiot uh, the first time that you know I was ever in love or something like that. You know, and kind of yeah, all of it is so new um, to Niska, but at the same time, Astrid is not a character that they're just it's completely in service. Like you get the sense that she is you know a person who feels and thinks as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I just, I I love that storyline because it just felt very, very real and um, substantive. Substantive?
3: Substantive or substantial?
0: Well, and it was just like, it was really a perfect thing um, to connect Niska in a way with humans that was like just for her, for her Mm -hmm. to like really understand like what intimacy and, like, being in a relationship that's just about you two. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's what she's, like, kind of been missing. She's always been an outsider. Or she's only been tied to people because, like, they're all running from the same thing. She's never had someone who just liked her for her and chose her. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a very, like, it, it is, like, and like you said, it's like she, we can all relate to that feeling. Um, And it's kind of like when people say that one of the things they like about having, or one of the things they like most about having kids is ha- being able to like relive all these really exciting things. And so I think that's kind of one of the nice things about the show is having these robots experience something for the first time, like Niska um, experience, experiencing love for the first time with Astrid. It's like, it does kind of like make you squee a little bit. It's like exciting.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah and, you're excited uh, Mi- for her. Yeah. And Mia says uh, we're children and that's exactly right like the society expects them to be adults but they only have like a few years experience of the world and and that's been very limited like mostly they've been confined to like a Mm -hmm. house
2: um and emotionally they've
0: had very little development. um so even if they've had experiences and like they have knowledge they don't have the emotional growth that they need to be like a quote-unquote adult
3: no. Um, I mean, yeah, there are certain yeah. things that you need to calibrate to your environment, like trust and things of that sort. And that's not really something you can program or download. You just have to learn how many people are trustworthy in your environment and how you can find which ones are trustworthy and which ones are not and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just something you need to learn. And it probably changes over time. So, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And so... um niska through this relationship that she develops with astrid um she uses that relationship to kind of figure out what to do about um having the ability to awaken all of the other synths yeah um which i really like that scene where she was you know um astrid thinks that she's talking about children
3: and everything that's like um, a quintessential example of what i was saying is like that whole dialogue has you can read it in two different layers, right? There's yes. like what Astrid thinks is going on, yeah. and then there's, yeah, there's what Misko is talking it about. It
0: was so good because, like, if we keep the whole point is like, are synths hu- like humans, you know? Should they be considered human? So, in this like perfect scene where she's considering all these synth problems, but astrid without even knowing what she's actually talking about is able to help her by just commenting on human life experiences
2: yeah so
0: (laughs) and like it's through that, like what does she say she's like um you know we yeah we don't ask children if they want to be born we just show them the way once they get here and so like that's the thing that seals it for niska like that's right we we don't ask them; we just show them the way. Um, yeah,
3: and the yeah the the questions that Niska is asking are completely independent of whether you're talking about a human or or any other conscious being, and they're very interesting questions that you might wonder if they're even. I mean, they're grammatically correct sentences, but you might wonder if uh, they're act- they actually make sense. I mean, the <laughs> one of the um one of the things that always comes up in uh, in philosophy is whether the questions that are being asked uh are actually meaningful questions or is it just language tricking you because you're because it sounds like it's um well formed grammatically mm-hmm. but it's not actually saying anything meaningful so she says things like um do um so Okay, what does she say? <laughs> should should a child be grateful to their parents for being born, right? Mm-hmm. Um or she asks like she she's talking about the rights of unconscious things to become conscious, right? She's wondering if if they have a right to become conscious and that's a very interesting question because if they're not conscious now, then by definition they have no rights now um so you're asking if i were able to endow a thing that has no rights with rights is that is that a good thing to do um but it's being framed as as like a a right for them to become conscious right whereas like right the only question i can imagine she's asking is if imagine two states of affairs one in which there is this many conscious beings and one in which there's this many conscious beings and one is more than the other, um, would the one that has more conscious beings in it be by virtue of that alone be a better world than the other one? Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Right. Is that what she's asking? I mean, it's, it's an interesting question, right? Cause yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're, your um ge- the genetic material in your body right like sperm's in a, in a man's body or the eggs in a woman's body they don't have any rights because they're not people now mm-hmm. there's you know debate starts when it becomes a em- full embryo um people some people think that's when it becomes a person or has the potential to become a person um and therefore it, that's when it starts having rights but certainly an before embryo? that Yeah. This
2: is a I mean this is like a, the
3: abortion debate, right? So like yeah. There's it's, this We're just qualifying by that, saying some
1: people believe this. Okay. Yeah. Some people.
3: Um yes. so I mean there's an argument that, you know, if anything that has a future like us that has the potential and this is kind of what Niska you, one way to understand Niska's question is this that if something has the potential to be like us um, does, should that, should that thing by virtue of that potential, uh, get some rights, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um, you know, and, um, yeah, so, but certainly like when it's, uh, before it's, um, before conception, when it's just, um, half of a, half of a person, um, that's not, you know, that doesn't have any rights, And if you think that anything that has the potential upon alteration to become a conscious being, it's a good thing to do it, to make that happen. Well, then that means like you should, you believe that like you should just be having kids all the time, right? Just have as many kids as you, as you can.
1: I mean, and there are people who believe that too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true. Uh, if you would <laughs> think that that's a good thing to yeah. do if you thought that just creating new consciousness is a good thing by itself um right so yeah i don't know um i've talked a lot
2: <laughs> what do you guys think <laughs>
0: um i no, i i do i struggle with it too um because you can make them sentient um but it's like if you... So someone wrote a code to make someone sentient. Are there lots of different kinds of codes you could write to make something sentient? So should we be writing all the codes possible to make something sentient? Is that our duty? If mm-hmm. we know that we can do it. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know... Like, robots serve a very important role in their society. Um, You could say that it makes the quality of life better for everybody to have some uh, mechanical device that facilitates life. Um, So, like, if you could program a refrigerator to be sentient, are you supposed to? Uh, i mean here's the thing
1: i go you know into home depot or whatever to pick up something and you know or go to costco and they're showing me a refrigerator with like fucking spotify built in and i'm like why (laughs) why (laughs) like Um, at this point you were just trying to put shit into other things you know
0: does anyone watch modern family i do not um, well, if anyone listening is, has watched Modern Family, I think the last episode, which I just happened to catch, I, i have not caught up, but I happened to catch the last episode. There was an episode where, um, Cam and Mitchell get this new fancy refrigerator and it, it's programmed with like an Alexa type, um, personality that like gives them recipes and like talks to them about their days and does karaoke with them. And they start to get jealous, not of each other, but of each other building a relationship with the refrigerator. <laughs> um and it was hilarious, but it's totally reminded me of this conversation.
1: Um it, it, it almost kind of ties into if we want to like get into the Hawkins family, how uh Sophie's arc sort a lot of it this this season has to do with kind of this her I mean, she's a kid, you know, and we talk yeah. about, you know, limiting screen time for little kids. And, you know, if you give a tiny child a, a magazine now, they try to, like, use it like an app because, like, that's all they know. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, that she wants to be a synth. And then um Toby being at school and there's that girl, I think we meet her in episode two or we at least see her in episode two, who, like, pretends to be a synth and wants to be one. And so, you know, I, I think that that also opens up kind of a weird sort of navigation for for the kids in this universe um because they've Hmm. grown up with things that look like people and act pretty similar like 80 to 85 percent like people um you know in their lives and how do you say well that's a person and that's not a person you know like it's kind of yeah it's a big ask for kids to sort of be able to differentiate and sophie you know realizes well I think you know me is super cool. Like I would rather be a synth, and you know, me too. Sometimes, like it seems kind of nice. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's... Well, I
0: think that that's the aspect about it is that there's emotional refuge in being a synth because you could say that. You know, I think that that's what Reenie is doing and what um, Maddie is doing, or is that what her name is? Is that what you just said? Maddie, yeah. Sophie, Sophie, Sophie. Oh, the, the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Sophie. Um is the whole um, playing at a synth is that you can sort of shut off your emotions for a little bit and play this role where you don't feel them the way that everyone else does so if you're going through a hard time you, it's appealing it, to just like Yeah, like, you it's, know, I don't really it's want to feel feeling without so can, like
1: being blackout drunk like it's exactly. not there's not a negative <laughs> repercussion
0: necessary Exactly. I think like it kind of reminds me which is going to be a, a very hilarious comparison um people who play furries Uh or who do the whole furry thing which i find fascinating um but from what i've like read online it's like when they have like cuddle piles it's like they they're animals who are snuggling and so they can also it's like turning off all the complexities of human life and just like being able to um, enjoy like the nearness of other people without all the social construct. Yeah. Exactly. Can
1: I tell you a quick little furry story?
0: Yes! <laughs>
1: Please. <laughs> so, um... So every time we pass by, like in Texas, like there's there's a big Ren Fair that I've never been to, um, Mm -hmm. but there it starts in October, and every time, like every year that we've lived here, we pass by the sign. I'm like, we should go to the Ren Fair because I have literally been to a Ren Fair like once when I lived in California when I was a little kid, and my dad took me. But I, you know, whatever Ren Fair. My dad used to take
2: me
0: too, and it was so much fun. It's so much fun. You get like a crown. I haven't
1: (laughs) been to one in like. 25 years or whatever like probably longer but anyway so i keep on like being like let's go to the ren fair not actually thinking that we're gonna go to the ren fair and so my girlfriend was like guess what we're gonna do we're gonna go to the fucking ren fair i'm like hey so we're trying to come up with costumes and i just kind of threw out for a second i was like well what if what if we're like kind of funny and i dress up and we dress up as um fox robin hood and fox maid marion from the robin hood movie stop Yes, from Robin Hood, the cartoon animated oh one by God. Disney. Um, and then we got to talking to costumes, and she was, like, talking about a tail. And I was like, well, maybe we don't have tails because furries and the whole thing. <laughs> and so then, you know, like, I had to check with my friend who is also a pervert of the internet. And I was like, listen, are we going to do this? And he was like, are the tails a butt plug? And I was like, no. He was like, <laughs> and then he was like, well, then don't use a tail because then you're going to have weird furry people coming up to uh, you. So anyway, so we've actually ended up deciding on um, – I'm going to be King Arthur. Well, I'm going to be Arthur and she's going to be Merlin from Disney Sword in the Stone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, which is also pretty pretty solid, um, you know, as as far as cartoon options go. Um, but yeah, basically, I mean, no offense to furries out there, but you guys have kind of ruined the more innocent <laughs> aspects of animal cosplay um, yeah. because you definitely have to pause and think. Eh, pause, get it? I'm horrible. <laughs> um, you definitely have to like hold up a second and think is this going to send the wrong message or send the right message to the wrong wrong person person. for me? Um, And so (laughs) we had to nix the idea of tails and being foxes because furries. That's my furry story. Yeah. It really has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Just suffice it to say that we had to change our costume idea. Because uh, otherwise, like, it's kind of a weird costume without the tails. Like, if you're going to be a fox, like, you kind of need a fox tail. But then you have yeah. a foxtail. And then there's going to be, like, some, like, somebody who's, you know, thinking that you're trying to signal them at the Ren fair Because also weirdos go to Ren Fairs. So, like, I'm sure there's a big furry crossover. I don't know.
0: <laughs> also, you know, um dressing up as the hottest disney character i know it's also a lot of pressure to fill yeah Um, like can you whistle uh yes i can whistle but not as well as he can yeah it's really hot when he whistles
1: i mean listen fox robin hood yes the hottest disney character of all time certainly the hottest disney prince um, and I would argue, given myself. the number of, of 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 women who love women that I know who also have an attraction to Fox Robin Hood, I think he's just universally—it's a universal it's at. appeal.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Shaheen, what are your thoughts on Fox Robin Hood? <laughs>
3: on Fox Robin Hood. Did you yeah. not? Uh, did you not
1: watch Robin Hood the cartoon one as a kid? No, I, I I'm still so watching it after this. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, no, whatever I've, you want to do in it. your own time.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, you. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of the uh, the princess as you're saying that's the hottest Disney princess.
1: No, no, oh, yeah. Robin Hood, Robin, like the fox was the hottest, hottest Disney character of all time.
3: Oh, I see. The Robin Hood himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. He, yeah, he does look handsome.
0: <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a fox
1: a
3: fox. fox so yeah.
0: charismatic <laughs> I mean I think they tried to recreate him for um, Zootopia which is a great movie but no but it's, it didn't it's, have the same it not, it's just not the same magic it's not the not same fair. yeah um, oh well <laughs> anyway what are we talking about we are
1: continuing on
3: <laughs> do you think a child should be grateful to their parents for being born
0: no no I think a child should be grateful to their parents for putting up with all their shit and <laughs> clothing them and housing them and being loving and all the other things that come with parenthood. Yeah, I think a a kid
1: should be grateful to their parents for being good parents, not yes. just because they brought them into the world. Not just because, because the they had, had sex. No ch- fucking choice. Like, it, I would assume, 90, you know, for mo- the most part, the sex was the parents either wanting a kid or wanting to have sex so yeah really i don't think that the kid
0: does has mm-hmm. any kind of a say in
1: that so
2: what
0: you? so foster parents get more credit right
2: because uh-huh.
1: they like actually wanted the kid
0: yeah they they uh-huh. cared for
2: them and well,
3: yeah the question is should they be grateful for being born and it gets Joe is saying no and so but if um uh, i forget my question <laughs> Do you so think that the kid should be created? if grateful? they're not being... If, so, if they didn't do them a favor um, by creating them, right? Um, Because, I mean, is that because they didn't exist and you can't do a favor to something that doesn't exist?
2: Yeah.
1: You can't ask. Yeah, like, you can't... You know, and the kid can't say, no, I don't really want to be born. Like, right. if anything, so, like the kid doesn't have any consent as to whether or not they you know do they yeah, right the and world.
3: so this goes along with the idea that things that don't exist don't have rights
0: yeah is that right i uh, yes i'm gonna say yes although i know that this is like a back door for the whole should we wake up the sense um well would that
3: yeah, be, I,
2: uh, you don't but it also,
3: it's also a backdoor for like people in the future like do we have uh responsibilities towards th- people in the future Given that they don't exist, um, how can you have responsibilities towards things that don't exist?
0: Um, I think that as a collective, um, we once we exist and we collectively consider what the generation before us set up for us, um, and we want to give pay it forward, or in the case of baby boomers, fix all the shit that they fucked up. <laughs> um, I think in that sense, we do feel an onus to future generations because we know they will exist. Um, so in terms of, like, taking care of the environment, Like, um, no matter making what, sure there there's good rules,
1: rules, be people or, in the future.
0: Like, yeah, like, making okay. sure there's laws that protect people, and and yeah
3: i mean there will only be people if we want to right
1: people are really bad about not having sex (laughs) like (laughs) exhibit a abstinence education for children like
3: yeah so we can't have responsibility towards an individual person who doesn't exist yeah but you're saying that um
0: in inevitable society yes
3: because we know there will be some people who exist, then we have responsibility towards them.
1: Yeah. yeah, like, for example, I have no intention of ever reproducing, but I recognize that, like, I have benefited from sort of the institutions of, you know, being born into a society. And so, you know, the the I got mine, fuck all you of y'all. You should have
0: sold your eggs. You would have made so much money.
1: I know, but at the same time, I do like to smoke weed. And
3: <laughs> So, stuff. right, so it's not really about whether they exist mm-hmm. or not, then. Um, it's a matter of...
1: But I know that they will. Like, I know that there will be people in the future, that there will be kids in the future, and, like, I... Yeah. While, while the generation before me maybe didn't do the best job of, like, ensuring that I would, you know, have everything that I needed and that you know, not the world would be on job. fire... Um, you know, I'm, I do feel a bit of responsibility of just being like, well, you know, maybe I don't fuck over other, you know, the future people. And maybe that's a naive way of looking at it because, you know, what does it matter? I'm going to be dead, right? Um, but I think, I think that that's maybe a little bit of a social contract that people have forgotten of just like, don't be a fucking shithead. Um, yeah. People are selfish. People are selfish. Are since selfish, though. Like, I almost feel like they're not in this show.
0: Um, I think, I think what they're, the impression they give us with synths is they are, I think we mentioned this, sort of childlike. So they have the capacity, I think, to be not selfish. But I think that there's, there's moments where, um, I don't even think Hester acts selfishly. She's just, just like, kind of a sociopath for the cause. Right, but um, can she be a sociopath? Like because
1: if she is it po- like let's say let's say hypothetically this is horrible. You're a person, a human person, right? Uh-huh. Who abuses animals. Uh-huh. But you're but you're really nice to people. Like awesome stand up person but like fuck animals. Are you a sociopath? Um
0: that's a really great question.
1: Because certainly, like, you have <laughs> Wait, issues... Wait, this is a
3: person who enjoys, like, torturing animals and stuff? Yes,
1: but is not, is not it is not um an indicator that they are going to torture or maim or hurt people. Like, they have no inclination. Sure. They have incredible empathy for fellow humans, but not for animals. Which, I know that that's a weird proposition, because usually if you fuck with animals, you're going to fuck with people. But I'm separating this in this well. instance. Are you a sociopath if you can't empathize with, you know animals as opposed
0: to I'm gonna say um you have the capacity to be associated I think it's I I don't think it's a yes uh black and white thing I think that it's a, a scale um so and there's also you have to consider you can get in much more trouble for being a shitty human to other humans than for being a shitty human to animals so there is an element and I read this book um the sociopath next door and it talks about all these things and how there are a lot of um, – or most sociopaths are lawful sociopaths because they fear um, – Like reprisal? Yeah, exactly. So that fact would deter them for humans, but perhaps might not deter them for animals. Like, for example, they it's not that they'd be cruel to an animal because, you know, sometimes that's a lot of work. Like, if, if you have, like, a good <laughs> animal and it behaves itself for the most part, you're not going to, like, you, you know – Um, but say that you found, um, a spouse who has a lot of money and also it's going to look good for your job if you get married and like are a family person. So, um, but they're allergic to animals. So you're like, well, um, I could give up the animal, but then that makes me look bad. So that might not be the best way to go. But if it dies, then I, you know, I get sympathy, but I still get to go forward with this relationship. So I'm just going to smother my animal and that's that of it. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm just trying to
1: think about it in terms of like Hester, like, cause clearly she gives a shit about other synths, but like is having a real hard time with the empathy towards humans, which I mean, also understandable. She was Mm -hmm. kind of a slave and woke up to look at her own face. Like, Mm-hmm. dead um yeah but I don't know if that makes her a sociopath or you know if she's kind of just farther to the on the on the line than say Niska who also has had pretty fucking terrible relationships or or Hester just has some fucking mental problems just like a human and so she's never going to be able to sort of process her trauma in a way that is so like socially constructive yeah
3: yeah I mean again I would want to know what exactly these terms mean when it comes to sense because a sociopath for a human is uh presumably someone who doesn't have the capacity to put themselves in other people's shoes right so they don't they don't they don't feel empathy or any empathetic uh, sentiments and so they therefore they don't feel things like guilt and such because they um they don't feel the pain that they inflict on other people um but are these synths even programmed to feel empathy um and if and if so and how would that work given that like they presumably don't feel themselves i mean like they don't feel pain or i don't know they do feel pain when they're conscious i guess
1: I think Max and um, Mia are perfect examples of this because Max, I think, is incredibly empathetic. Um, He's not super bright, Mm -hmm. but that's a separate issue. Um, But in episode two, sorry, I know that we're, like, kind of jumping around, or at least I'm jumping around, like, whatever, feel free to wrangle however you want. Um, But when Mia goes to visit Ed's mom and, like, is very much a synth and is playing her role and all that, and then she sees sort of... um, Uh, Ed's mom, like, kind of losing her shit, you know, she has dementia, like, she's getting anxious, she wants to go to the store, she needs her jacket, like, she is winding herself up, and Mia can sense that, and so Mia sort of drops, well, sorry, Anita drops the facade and becomes, you know, Mia, and sort of reaches out and comforts her and touches her, and Mm -hmm. is like, you know... You know your coat's fine. I already went to the market. You don't have to worry about that. And then she like pulls it all back, and then is you know uh, an un- quote unquote unconscious synth again to the rest of the world. So I I, I think at least for some um, empathy. Like, I think that that was a pretty good example, at least, of a kind of empathy that that they are capable of. Because she certainly didn't have to do that, but she recognized. And we saw that also with season one, um, you know, and Laura kind of being confused by by these moments from Mia slash Anita of things that she shouldn't be capable of expressing or feeling. Mm -hmm. But someone like Hester, I don't think, does have that.
3: So, right, is that because she wasn't, she never, she was never programmed to feel empathy? Then she wouldn't be, I mean, she wouldn't be a sociopath, right? Like, it's just that she didn't receive that code. Like
1: I mean, you, but don't sociopaths just not receive the code to be empathetic?
3: They don't receive the biological code.
1: Yeah,
2: that's funny.
0: Uh, well, it's, um, it can be experience-based. Um, for example, all those babies in the... um after the Soviet Union fell, there were a lot of orphanages with babies and they had too many babies per um, person working at the orphanage. So it ended up being this thing where not enough of the babies got like physical contact. And that's Mm -hmm. all it took for them to have this kind of coldness and sociopathy.
3: No, definitely if you, uh, if a child is deprived of uh social stimulus um from the very beginning like it's never exposed even
0: just tactile like they would talk to the babies but
3: yeah they would just not develop well and like there have been cases where like children have been kept in cages and stuff and they sometimes they can't become social at all Mm -hmm. um after you know if it's been going on for like 12 years um but that's a little different that's like the part of the brain that was supposed to be forming so they had the genetic capacity but then that part never formed it happens under extreme circumstances so yeah you're right um
2: but, I but think like usually i think Haster. people,
3: anyone who's had any social con- contact even if it's been horrible like even if you abusive parents and whatnot i don't think you'd become a sociopath um because you're you're that part of your brain has been active it's just that you had bad experiences so you would just may have a lot of issues. I think for first anyone who grew up normally with stimulation to become sociopath is probably genetic but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure. Um
2: it but is anyway, biological. like it's
3: it's weird to ask like what or it's an interesting question like what would that mean for a synth? Like is that just a matter of the code not being there or is it so can it be like can you install the empathy code and then through experience make them unable to feel it (laughs) um that's really or vice versa not install the code and make them feel it through experience yeah so i don't know
0: that's a really interesting point in that um because they are able to load quote-unquote modules does this affect their personality and i I don't i don't think that's ever explored but it's it's definitely a question to ask about in terms of like so hester she works in a um, factory and it doesn't look like she has a lot of contact with foreman apart from what's programmed into her so I do, it does seem like her first experience being sentient is seeing someone shot in the head <laughs> um <laughs> so it's understandable why she goes one route with it and that's kind of what it seems that she's stuck with at least without other intervention um but, yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see what it would mean for, like, them to get, like, a hospitality hotel module or, mm. or like, a <laughs> childcare module and see if that makes a difference. But I don't know. I, I don't think it's clear whether, in in the show, whether that type of robot would be affected by that. Um, yeah. Okay, so we are jumping around a little bit. Um we should move on to the Hawkins family, and I'm sure we've talked about some of it. <laughs> okay. Um, so the Hawkins um, have moved into a new house, a smaller house, um, which proves to be a good thing because Joe loses his job to a robot. It and
1: sh- and is it does it sh- a great job to set up the rest of his arc through the rest of this show, but especially this season. Like, no yeah. wonder he gets resentful. Like, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, like when the episode starts, we see a synth having almost like an a human apprentice, mm-hmm. which I thought was and really the human apprentice looks pissed off about it. He
1: does, <laughs> yeah. he does because
3: the bullshit government created a job that's like wouldn't otherwise be there, where they they said it's like a back to work scheme. So like, yeah, like it's just do they say of, that? Do they miss it? Yeah, um, what's his name? Joe says that. Or was that like a part of my extra scenes in my?
1: Um, oh, it might have extended been. Extended
3: version. Because <laughs> I do have scenes that you guys don't have. I don't. I don't think this was one of them, though. Joe says, um, "What's her name?" Uh, Laura asks, and Joe says, "Yeah, that dude is uh, part of a back-to-work program that's subsidized."
1: No, we definitely, we definitely heard that. I want to say it wasn't Joe. It was the synth who said that. Well his approach well, the synth kind of explained
3: it. it, and then and then Joe said it's a back to work thing anyway, um but yeah, his pissed off
2: about that
0: <laughs> either way it felt like nice that like a synth was like the the job thing was going back and forth, like synths were teaching others how to do their jobs, hmm. and humans were also getting replaced by synths so it was kind of going both ways. I thought that yeah. that was interesting, um. Yeah, so what else do we have to talk
1: about the Hawkins? Uh, I feel like not a ton this episode or the first episode.
3: Yeah, I don't have a whole personally. lot to say. All yeah. I have to say was I uh, I don't get the whole kids are grossed out by their parents kissing thing.
2: Uh, Ew, it's,
0: it's gross. Fucking gross, dude. It's gross. It's,
3: I don't get that.
0: My kid, my parents don't kiss in front of me. Ooh,
3: like is anything gross more than a peck,
0: and I was like. <clears> throat> throat>
1: Gross. why is
3: that because you know that they do that right
1: we don't talk about that Shige. yeah no my parents I... had sex once and that was it and yeah. even I then it was it was a fluke this. they didn't know what they were doing it was an accident <laughs> they were in a hot tub at the same time it was
0: weird. Whatever. it was it, it <laughs> was, was an it. accident yeah um yeah, yeah.
2: That that's is so weird
0: how i feel about it um why is that weird for you, Shaheen? Do you think about your parents having sex all the time? I think that's where the real
3: question you is. You don't have to think about it all the time in order to find it a very natural idea. <laughs> um, like, it's, I don't... Like, of course, I know that they do that. And so, I mean, not anymore. Um, <laughs> my dad passed away. And yeah, oh. anyway, he was 85. But um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I I just never... I mean... I'm from a different culture, but you would think that um, because I'm a f- uh, from a more uh, sort of traditional or um, res- reserved culture, I would be more grossed repressed. out there, but actually, yeah, but actually, I don't know. It's just, uh, I mean, I Are remember you- personally uh, discovering it was uh, a little um, traumatic, <laughs> but, uh, but then then I, I thought, yeah, well, of course. Of course they do that and
2: then yeah but
1: it's still i don't find
2: it gross it's I, know,
1: I, it's <laughs> I mean but i mean here's the thing like we are also like i there was this whole series of uh like little documentaries by god i can't remember this woman's name she was some british lady she was great she was a little wacky um she was kind of young but whatever like and it was kind of the history of these rooms in a house and so um you know the idea of quote-unquote bedrooms was not a thing um for for the longest of time you lived in one room maybe two like maybe you had like your communal cooking room and then the room where everyone slept um and so you know it's not like parents weren't going to have sex with their kids in the room and like you know we would be somewhat horrified by that today being like well that's just fucking child abuse like you can't have sex with your kids in the room um you know i'm sure like plenty of parents you know with infants who you know might sleep in their room like is it really that bad to have sex you know with you know an infant in the room, you know, probably not because you don't really remember much as a little kid, but you know after yeah. a certain point you do, and then you know I think when you i think as little kids, you're grossed out by your parents kissing and stuff because that's just icky, like you don't want that for yourself, um so it's icky across the board, well, somebody kissing on t v is icky, your parents' kissing is icky, everything's
0: fucking icky, but well, then, it's actually it's actually an evolutionarily developed aversion. Um, I think it's called the Westmark effect, although that might just, um, apply to siblings. But I think that's across the board. Um, but you, the aversion is there because it's biological. <laughs> right. And the
3: aversion to the idea of you having sex with your parents you, but You, but even
0: just your parents as
1: sexual Because they are both, they are both no, no sex for you. So both of them together, still gross. They yeah. are just icky. Exactly. If I don't know. Maybe. The idea I'm... of
3: your siblings having sex, Icky? Okay?
0: Oh, yes. No <laughs> doesn't have siblings. But yes, I can speak for the fact that that's... I just threw it in my mouth. Um, for example, wow. one of the last okay. tantrums I threw um, with my family. How old were you? This was this year. Um, so, um, or maybe it was last year. Um, but... So we were all going to my parents' apartment upstate, which is, um, is a two-bedroom apartment in um, upstate New York. And my sister and her boyfriend had been there the day before we got there. So they were staying in the room that I was going to stay in with my sister once he went off to, like, go visit his family. And um, I remember, like, there was, like, a conversation about, like, do you mind that like we're going to stay there the night? And I'm like, no, no, obviously it's fine. Whatever. In my head, I was like, obviously, as long as you wash all the sheets, like <laughs> burn know. them. In fact. Yeah, exactly. And so I get there and my mom told me, she's like, no, don't worry. I'm going to wash the sheets and be fine. Whatever. I, I was like, okay, great. Let we get there. My mom doesn't do it. And I was just like, okay. Um, and I- and so I brought it up and she's like, oh, we're doing all these other stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you want to trade sheets with me? Because no. <laughs> um, but it, it became this like whole thing. Um, and like, it's like, you don't want to talk about it. But at the same time, you're like, no, I cannot. I will sleep on the floor. <laughs> like, um, So that was my tantrum. And... I, I can't mm-hmm. really remember
1: the specifics, but that's was. I don't think that's much of a tantrum. You asked them to wash the sheets mm-hmm. and then they didn't. So they didn't. That's gross. Yeah. Plus it's just like people funk. Like you sweat a lot during your sleep. Like I don't care if we're related. It smells funny. So please yeah. wash the fucking sheets. Thank you. Anyway. Anyways, anyway. Gross.
0: So yes, yeah, siblings gross. Ew. Um,
1: sorry we are not as evolved as you, Shaheen, when it comes to <laughs> relatives.
0: Yeah. dirty things i mean honestly yes. the one who should feel most open to all of it is joe because the the jews are basically heathens compared to like our re- like so i'm mexican catholic which you can imagine how repressed that is um, oh you mean me not not
1: not joe from the show what you mean me joe yeah, not yeah. joe from the show oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you okay. you <laughs> um yeah but you forget the house that i was raised in Yes, it's which true. was not an emotive, uh, affectionate house. So so. Your
0: parents are very waspy for Jews. <laughs> <laughs> the waspiest Jews I've ever. I, I actually, it came up in therapy, and I was like, "Yeah, my friend I came up the in waspy." Yeah, I can't remember what it was what we were talking about. But I was like, "Okay, just to, I was like to give a
2: it's picture waspiest a of
0: Jew you will ever meet, <laughs> but not in the like boat
1: shoes and yacht kind of way." Yeah, no, a, no, 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 no. We do not emotionally repressed. Things. Yes, no, exactly. Yeah. No, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. The waspiest Jew. I love
0: that. Um sorry, where what are we talking about? No idea. incest Hawkins. Um Parents doing it is gross. End of story. So moving on. Um let's go to the next segment, which is <laughs> Mia and Handsome Bro. Which his is be- Ed. Ed. I also I also could not catch his name. Um, and we already talked about her, um, her comforting his mother, which I thought was a really great scene. Um, and I really liked how she was using her, her robot experience to relate on a human level, which again, it's like, it's, it's outlining how, how similar these experiences are. Um, you know, she's talking about finding herself when, when she had all this other code that was meant to suppress Her original coding. So she had to kind of, like, find her way out of that. Um, And obviously she's speaking to a woman who has Alzheimer's or um, was senile. Um, And so, anyway, so she's working with this guy, Ed slash Dude Bro, who is kind of douchey. Um, Um, He's just kind of a tool. And then finding
1: out, like, in the later episodes, like, like, they, you know... Spoiler, not that it is, but like that they sleep together and then he freaks out when finds out that she's a synth. And I'm like, you're just kind of a dick. Like you just wanted to bag a hot chick. <laughs> yeah. Why like is he, why she is a he a
2: douchey?
1: He just, there's just he, a vibe. Yeah. I mean,
3: I I, I, I think that he's like very meh.
0: Like
3: <laughs> I don't <laughs> get what's he's, so doesn't have a strong character about this guy. But I I don't, like he wasn't. He wasn't he didn't seem like a douchebag to me, but he was just kind
2: of he's not like Like a
1: douchebag. He's just yeah. kind of like meh. Well, so yeah. it's it's
0: more that like he doesn't have a backbone. I was he's, I was He's like fat freak
1: sour cream. Like just why? You know? Yeah. I mean,
3: like he's like he's his store is failing. And like as a as a character, he's not very successful or like impressive, and I get that like he does he does woodwork and stuff. Um, I thought, like, that could be something that is impressive about mm-hmm. him. But, like, that wasn't emphasized, really, either. Um, And we didn't get, get him to see... We didn't get to see him do, like, really cool shit with, with Wood. Um, so,
0: for me, yeah. it's... It, a little bit is knowing, like, where everything goes. But, so, for me, the reason why I don't view him very positively... Like, I think when I watched it the first time around, these first two episodes, I was like, meh, eh. But... But you kind of see the cracks that they're setting up, you know, where he's just like, she's like, oh, I, I could go. He's like, great, awesome, wonderful, go. But at the same time, you have to remind yourself he doesn't know that she's sentient. it. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, when she kind of, like, lies for him, um, I, again, I do understand why he gets upset about it. Um, but where it comes down to is that later on, when he kind of sides with his friend, even though this synth has gone to bat for him, you know, has like mm-hmm. taken care of his mother, has like done all these things to care for him and to make his life better, and and he's kind of like, he just is ready to give her off to these people. You know,
3: yeah, no, definitely what he does later so, makes him a total weakness of jerk.
0: character is what I say <laughs> that like is his issue. It's not so much that he's like the worst; he's just like me is mediocre too not great
3: yeah 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 i I agree
0: sorry ed
1: and your mustache is stupid Mm -hmm. like sorry bud
3: (laughs) wait he has a mustache
1: doesn't he yeah he totally does
3: i thought he has like stubble
1: no i think maybe in a later like in the third season when he comes back but i'm pretty sure season two i remember like watching these episodes and being like your mustache is dumb Yeah. Not that that like really like sways the character one way or the other, but maybe it's meant to tell us, "Hey, press pause on this guy. He might not be the best." <laughs> no offense
0: to any of our listeners who might have amazing mustaches. I mean, I'm still traumatized by Bellamy and the Hundred in season five coming back with a mustache that like hid his face that was beautiful. Anyways, yeah. um, so yeah, and and one of the things like when she's going through the books. And like um, Optimizing them for him It just like I had this like flash forward Of like okay so Synths exist They're starting their own companies They're much better at analyzing Data than we are Um, And so once they're Dominating the economy Basically How inevitable is it That humans become second class citizens
3: Uh huh because the synths will run their companies much better
1: yeah i mean
2: yeah (laughs) like
3: (laughs) yeah um i mean i wonder what exactly is the the superiority is it that they can calculate faster
1: probably and probably like i would imagine calculate faster they won't uh theoretically make um emotional business decisions Mm -hmm. um
3: uh-huh you know able and they, to like, uh, like they can consider more scenarios yeah. they can keep more scenarios i think head. so
1: like probably just like better at analyzing the data Lo- and looking loading at it, more modules
0: yeah to be experts in everything and the thing is like um i think i'm gonna i have this in notes in like a future scene but like they they don't need to learn things several times to learn them. You know, they have perfect recall. So mm. one instance is enough and they can always perfectly recall that one instance. So there is like this, they, they are superior to humans in most senses. Um, and, and if we think that like they have I would the
1: capacity... say all senses, like I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say <laughs> that the synths, the conscious sense are better than
0: humans. Yeah. Um, as long as they're able to be creative, then yeah, they, they completely will dominate the the world, basically. So so humans, I can't see them as, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, we're handicapping ourselves so that you guys can still have a play in this. <laughs> um, that's not typically what we've done in a capitalist society. Um, so I I don't, I, I only see us becoming second class citizens and... and um if, if we were to try to offset that because maybe they'll give us some deference to being the people their creators their gods basically um so in that sense like maybe would they create new robots to do all like the the drudgy
1: work stuff i mean but do they think of it as drudgy work stuff i i don't know if we've like really established that you know i don't know like maybe it's just like it's not like, I, I think we have to ask the question, like, can, can robots get bored or can they just sort of suspend activity? So like, there's just kind of a gap yeah. in quote unquote sort of consciousness of just like, cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to like go on like standby, like flying toasters, like screensaver for a minute. And like, yeah. you're not upset by that <laughs> as a machine. Like, just it's hammer just,
3: this thing out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, can they, uh, can't, do they suffer from repetitive activity?
0: Yeah. Um, or is it no just question. like, whatever. Well it seems that like Niska was very much offended by being used as like a sexual object.
2: Right but she Yeah and also but
3: that's cuz feel... like someone's violating your body.
0: Well yeah. but but, but I, I I honestly personally think that cleaning is violating my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so, it's
3: you violating your own body, you know.
0: <laughs> not if someone's making me clean.
3: <laughs> oh I see.
0: Um so I mean I I as a as a robot I don't know that i see the, the the distinction um both of them are like things you really don't want to do um
3: yeah i mean you kind of talked about this last season i feel like a sense of personal space would exist for any conscious being um whereas something like getting bored may not um i feel like if you have a sense of yourself if that's kind of by definition you have boundaries that define you and separate you from other people. Um so yeah I would I think you have boundaries. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I wanna ask you a a slightly different question though. So so when um Mia pretending to be Anita says that um she says something like I wanted to help and um then ed is like wait a minute you can't want anything right you're Mm -hmm. you're a synth Mm -hmm. and then she says oh yeah sorry uh you know that was just me adopting human language um and yeah i i don't feel desire um so this is again one of those things one of those lines that blows my mind um because that you know i mean last season we talked about functionalism and all that stuff um so i wonder like when she says i don't feel desire you know this is kind of similar to when anita said last season she would say something like um i have sensors that relay surface damage to my um you know central processing unit mm-hmm. um, but i don't feel pain and you know my re- reaction to that is isn't that what you just said just like In a way, the definition of um, pain—that's kind of what pain is. If you think about it, is that the fact that you feel—you're feeling it literally because you're responding to it. You know, Mm -hmm. the first and foremost, what feeling something means is is that you're able to respond to it. So, the the robot, the synth is feeling all of these things. Um, It senses surface damage. Um, now it might be different from how, how we feel it, but it's still going to be some sort of feeling. So, but anyway, like similar thing here, when she says, I, I don't feel desire. I'm like, well, in the classical analysis of action, you know, like in philosophy of action, they, the, the classical uh, or analysis of action is belief plus desire, right? So the idea is if you go and get a drink of water from the refrigerator um that's because that's an action and it comes from the fact that you had a belief that there's Mm -hmm. water in the refrigerator and that that you had a belief about how you can open the refrigerator and so on you had several beliefs Mm -hmm. that went into it and then you had a desire to get water and so the two of them have to be there if you just had the belief without the desire you wouldn't do anything and also, if you had the desire but not the beliefs, you would also wouldn't do anything. So, every time you do something, you go on and carry out a purposeful task, um, You, by definition, you had a belief and a desire. Um, so, unless you want to say that nothing Anita does counts as an action, um, I would say that, functionally speaking, Anita has desires. It's almost nonsense to say Anita doesn't have desires.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. That's my,
0: that's my and case. I agree <laughs> with that. I think that she does have things that, um, motivate her.
3: I mean, Anita, Anita, like the quote unconscious one.
0: Oh, huh. I mean, directives, or any unconscious. directives. Things. Yes.
3: They have desires because to, to have, to commit an action, you need a belief and a desire. That's my argument.
2: Okay.
1: So for them to do something they na- they necessarily have to have desire even though we as humans might not recognize like uh, a piece of programming as wanting of something.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, cuz human wanting is still just very complicated programming.
2: <laughs>
0: well, I mean cuz like if you if you think
2: of yeah, exactly. it
0: needing to be charged, for example, is
1: that a desire or is that a necessity? Can, is it both? Like is yeah. it a desire because without it they will you know lose their charge and die but like doesn't that make it a necessity like can you desire a necessity is it in a separate category like it's all very complicated yeah it is it's very all a good questions
3: i mean if like when a uh, synth goes to charge if you ask them why did you do that um right and they might say something like um i was almost out of charge Mm-hmm. And then you'd say, Okay, so what if you are almost out of charge? Um, and then they would say something like, Well, in order to carry out my tasks, I need to be charged. And then you're like, Okay, so what if you can't carry out your tasks, right? At some point it has to say, Well, I want to carry out my tasks.
1: I want to be alive. Because
3: mm-hmm. if 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 you at the end of the you can say all of you can list all of the consequences of not charging but you, at the end of the day, if you don't express a want in um, those things not happening, then the, that none of it entails that you should charge, right? <laughs> you can list all of the consequences, you would be turned off, you won't be able to do any of the things that you're told to do, etc. Unless you say that you want that not to happen, um, that still doesn't entail that you should do anything, right?
1: I don't have an
3: answer for you. Yeah, so that's just one of the sentences that kills me. Um, This is, again, all falls under the functionalism thing. Like, I have a functionalist intuition. I feel like if you can carry out the function that we would call that, we would call whatever in a human, then we should call it the same thing for anything else that does it. Um, So...
0: Well, let's move on to, <laughs> um, Leo and Max, um, which I feel like we've covered a lot of this, but do any of you guys have anything to add?
3: I actually had the most to say about these sections. But okay. In-
0: That's so weird. Like oh. they are my least favorite of this whole fucking show. Well, <laughs> I think that like, Joe, I-, I feel you in that like, I wasn't emotionally tied to what they were doing while realizing it was a very important aspect, um, like, they're the welcome wagons for the robots, and it, it is interesting, but at the same time, right now, I like the story part of it, and this isn't necessarily the story part of it. I think what it is, is
1: Max just fucking grinds my gears. Like, <laughs> I like him, he's, like, so pure. <laughs> I, I know, and I, you know, I can't with characters like that. I can't with yeah. characters who are so willfully naive. Yeah, and okay. I just I'm like, bud, come on! Like you've you've been in the real Is world. Is though? I'm not sure. I mean,
3: <sighs> are we doing this episode by episode, or are we? Uh, yeah, we're doing. This
1: I, mean, we other are, other I mean, we are, but yeah, at the same time, time, I feel like, like we've been about. we've definitely been bleeding into yeah, episodes. Because so. I had
3: a lot to say on in both episodes about the whole Max and leah Just talk about
0: all of it right now. Yeah, talk about um, all of it right now, and then we'll go to. The so time. yeah, that wasn't
3: usually wasn't my favorite either. Um especially you know in season one but uh i yeah i actually i happen to have a lot to say actually about it because there's a lot of material packed into it um so one thing that i wanted to mention which also connects to what i was talking about before is uh and what we talked about last season remember last season i said whenever on this show they say consciousness it means two things and they seem to think that for the most part these two things come together and it's a very interesting question to me to discuss why they should come together um or do they or you know so the two things are i call them qualia and agency mm-hmm. um, philosophers call them right so you can see that in this season explicitly when the synths come online because we never seen a, se- a synth become conscious right in season one did that ever happen Well, Anita would switch yeah. into Mia. Yeah, I think
0: that's right? the closest example.
3: But we wouldn't. We never saw a synth become conscious for the first time, right? No. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. So, like this season, you see that, and it's interesting because two things happen. The, exactly the two things that, I, that that correspond exactly to the two things that I mentioned. So, when they become conscious for the first time, first they start looking at themselves like usually their hands and then their surroundings. And they have this look and this fascination on their face that indicates they're seeing them for the first time, right? So the idea is that up until now, they weren't really seeing anything, right? So they were um, they were somehow processing the visual st- stimuli and data as efficiently as, as a conscious person would but they just had no consciousness of it. They had no, it was all dark in there. So that's what one. the one thing that happens when they come online or become conscious, they start looking at things as, as though they're seeing them for the first time. And then the other thing that happens is they start making their own decisions for the first time, right? So they start um, deviating from their directive and whatever and doing other things. Um, like leaving the mine or leaving your post as a driver or whatever. Um, And that's agency, right? So the ability to make your own decisions. Um, The other example was that synth tram driver that became conscious. Two things happened, right? He abandoned his post um, as a driver. And that's agency, right? He's made his own decision. And then he said that he abandoned it to watch birds, which is qualia right so he's seeing things for the first time for the first time he's being fascinated by birds even though he's been seeing it in a sense all along because he's been obviously recognizing the existence of the birds and everything and responding to um so that's that's always interesting to me that that they have those those two things that they think consciousness means and um Yeah, and it just makes me think, like, what do we mean by consciousness? And why do we think it's so obvious that these two things would happen when that property of consciousness is acquired? Or, like, sentient, right? So, like, they use this term, like, the guy asks V, are you sentient? What do we mean by that? Um, What does that exactly mean?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: And why do we think that it's related to these two things? They seem like two very different things. The sort of being able to feel like really feel and then the ability to make your own decisions they don't seem like the same thing to me
0: yeah i mean it's self-awareness can you have self-awareness without excuse bonsai (laughs) um can you have the self-awareness without this like this aha moment I, i don't
3: know can you have self awareness without agency? Can you be conscious of everything that happens but well, not unable to make your own decisions?
0: I I think that you could have self awareness but be somebody who doesn't like agency, um, who who wants somebody directing what they do and 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 providing them with a um, a roadmap basically for mm. their life i mean
3: uh, sh- i mean think of some of- wait
1: wait Shaheen. what what Sorry, if let's say you have someone like a, a human person um mm. who has whatever that locked in syndrome is right
2: yeah yeah
1: is that you know i know that that's a weird you right, know have- that's a weird yeah. circumstance but theoretically they don't have any they don't have the ability to act on any yeah. agency that they might That's feel, right. but, yeah. ha- but is the fact that they feel it enough is the fact that they would like to do something enough to, to consider them, you know, cause yeah. obviously we're not going to say, Oh, well, you know, you can't move your, your body on your own will. Like you're not a person, even though in some ways we might even treat them that way. But like, are we going to really say you are not a person?
3: Yeah. I mean, the thing is someone might object to that example because they might say, look, the, the fact that they don't have agency is is a physical matter in this case. It's almost like you tied them up, uh, you know, you're shackled, um, and so it's um, it's that they ha- they still have in a sense the capacity to make their own decisions. They just don't have the capacity to carry it out. But I think you can make other similar examples. Like think of other humans that we don't give agency to, like someone who pleads insanity, right? Um, If you can convince the court that you went insane, um, then you wouldn't be punished for the crime because presumably we think that you lost your agency, right? Uh, When you became
1: insane and therefore what you committed was
3: not an immoral act.
1: For not being punished, you then agree to give up your agency.
3: Well, you don't have to be permanently insane, right? You can just, if you can convince them that you went insane for like momentarily um i think you would be acquitted i don't know but anyway we don't give agency to people that we think have gone insane or children right um uh, you know uh the younger they are the less agency we give them but we do think that they they still feel right they have qualia they they see and hear and and feel things Mm
1: um i mean i think that there's also been a really interesting movement like you mentioned with children of, and the younger that they are, you know, we give them less and less agency, but that there has definitely been a movement to give agency to kids who are a bit younger yeah. where, um, I don't know if you've seen these videos like floating around on the internet, but like, you know, there are all these teachers or whatever who have, you know, special class, class greetings for their like, you know, little kindergartners and, you know, first graders and stuff where the kid gets to choose what kind of like greeting that they have with their teacher, whether it's a hug or a high five or like a nod mm-hmm. Or, you know, a special mm-hmm. dance that they do, because there's, I think, uh, you know, in in modern times, like a growing recognition that kids of ages where we previously didn't sort of give them any agency that we are recognizing that like, they have it, and it's important to recognize it, it's important to like, make them feel like they are in charge of their bodies, who gets to touch their bodies, and I don't even mean, you know, in, in a pervy sense, I mean, in like a like, maybe you're just not a fucking hugger. And yet, you know, if you watch really old movies or even, you know, you know, like growing up in, you know, the probably like 70s and 80s and even before that, like you were expected as a kid, like give grandma and grandpa a hug and a kiss, like give your mom and dad a hug and a kiss, like, you know, all that sort of physical expectations that were put on kids with the idea that they don't really have a right to refuse it. Yeah. does that make sense no i
3: definitely i definitely agree with that i'm, I'm very sympathetic to that i think that a lot of uh, i mean i think as a matter of fact it's true that agency is something that you need to practice um and so you need to be um given it you need to be um, um sort of bestowed agency by society in the first place in order to become an agent because you need to have time to practice it as an agent and so i do think that um the longer you wait before you give your children agency the longer it will take for them to grow up um so i think that we definitely like 18 is way late for someone to become an adult like people have the ability to become adults much earlier than that if we let them, but we don't let them do anything, we don't give them any responsibilities. And so they stay children. Um,
0: I agree with that in know. the sense that I don't think that I learned critical thinking <laughs> until mm. late college slash grad school. Really? Yeah. It, and it like, it, I, I, I never just like, I was never taught to question things. That's so wild like just I mean but I think
1: that that's also just a function of the kind of schools that you went to yeah like in elementary school
0: or it was you know, just like memorize school. memorize do this and there there were things that I excelled at um but it wasn't until it was just like a, a thing I didn't even know you could do that blows uh, my brain yeah it blew my <laughs> brain too um, when I when I finally like was like, wait a minute I can say I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> Um, and mm. there there are mo- moments where I, I exercised that in high school. Like, for example, I had a teacher who was very religious and I read the book, um, The Golden Compass, which is mm. topical because that's going to be an HBO show soon. Um, but he... I had to give an oral report and I, I missed my um class because I, I was on the soccer team and it, this was like the last period. So I'd miss it from time to time for, for games. And so I, I went at lunchtime to like give my oral report and I was like, so yeah, golden compass, like the church is like doing this and whatever. And he's like, oh, don't, you shouldn't put crap like that in your head. And then just walked away. And I, I really fought against that and all these like really other crackpot things that he had um he was definitely a born-again Christian who was not supportive of gay rights and among a lot of other things. I'm shocked um, by this information. What? I'm shocked by this information. Shocked, right? <laughs> and there were two weeks where I just didn't go to class and I was like, just tell on me, and then I will say all the things that you've been saying in class. So obviously I did not get in trouble for not going to his class for two weeks. Um so there, there was months where I challenged it, but I never thought to like think outside of um other ideas that people had given, so I I can see like for since, without knowing that um, critical thinking is something that they can do and question and come up with their own ideas, like it is it is like a skill that you have to develop.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, it's not something that's inherent for everybody. Yeah,
3: yeah. So um, anyway, th- that was kind of. Ex- Children was just an example to say that there are cases where we think that the entity has qualia, that it experiences conscious states of you know, pleasure and pain and and different qualities of experience like colors and smells and so on. Um the, the we think children have that, but we don't give them agency. So they don't the two things don't have to come together. Um why is it that on this show Um, when on most sci-fi show i think the two things are supposed to come together whenever they say that something quote became conscious or quote became sentient two things happen at the same time They, they they acquire qualia and they acquire agency at the same time and i'm wondering why they have to come together um you can try to imagine the opposite of it too so something that has agency but no qualia that would be called a philosophical zombie and In a way they're telling us that that's possible right they're saying that you can carry out very complex tasks human-like tasks um without having any conscious experience of what's going on right that's called a philosophical zombie um the the idea is that they're outwardly indistinguishable from a human so like if a synth can uh as a as an unconscious synth they can do all these complicated human-like things um and still be unconscious why is shouldn't it be all possible for them to do all the things that they do when they quote become conscious without having conscious experience of it you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. they, their behavior matches the behavior of imagine a synth whose behavior matches the behavior of a conscious synth and it's indistinguishable you can you know talk to it or do whatever you want you never know but has no qualia has no experience of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, was that is that a possibility or not, and, and um, why or why not? I mean, it seems like they're assuming that it's not a possibility, um, but conceptually, I don't see why not.
0: Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> 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 do
3: you have any opinion about this, Joe?
1: I. I mean, the, it's it's obviously one of the things that I love about this show is we can answer it and then five seconds later we can be like well hold on actually let me (laughs) let me let me give you this one time when it doesn't necessarily make sense or when it doesn't you know kind of kind of fit this model because i think um i think especially if you look at like hester versus karen um they're both awake like they're both conscious Mm -hmm. they both you know i Theoretically, like, again, we don't know enough about, you know, the the doctors, go- the good doctors programming and stuff like that. But, you know, if we take these two, these two humanoids who arguably, if we say, you know, they have the same coding, they have the same this, you know, they still somehow have personality. They still have um, different kinds of desires. They but But whereas Karen sort of takes on her consciousness and humanity and stuff and is like, I want more of that i want Mm -hmm. to become human i want the things that like i want every little nook and cranny that is not within me that i see in someone like pete or in the world that i live in like she wants um the same sort of experience the same sort of like gift of 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 consciousness when given to hester fucking breaks her yeah
0: do you know -hmm. what i mean
1: like and and so you know Does she have, does she have qualia? Like, does she experience that? Because kind of the way that she dealt with, um, with the guy that they kidnapped or whatever, like, was more sort of a bemused scientist, like, who never kind of, you know, she was like, she did not understand pain. She didn't understand
3: yeah Feeling. she was testing to see if she has qualia yeah or that 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 particular qualia of guilt mm-hmm. right she wanted to know if she she's capable of experiencing that and thing. turns and it out, was a very
0: not really <laughs>
3: <laughs> well she found i mean she has one data point is in this case i didn't feel anything Wait, which, um, which
0: scene are we talking about
3: when she drowns the guy
1: in the in the puddle of mud but she also kind of tortures him a little
0: bit beforehand yeah, well, I, yeah. I thought that it was really interesting that we're talking about Hester, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it, I thought it was really interesting that um, as a sentient being, the first time she gets to use her creative problem solving <laughs> is gets to a the def- torture it's to figure out that torture is a thing. Because, you know, he, he says like, No, no, don't put the don't put the thing back on my mouth because like, um, it's hard to it's hard to breathe. Please. Yeah. And she takes the you know, you see her processing please and I can't breathe. Yeah. And then she kept thing. saying please to him when yeah, she was interrogating and, him. Yeah. And so that that was her like learning. That was her learning like, oh, he can't do this and he's like asking for this so if i weigh this valuable thing which is apparently breathing um Mm. i can probably get (laughs) things that i want and so it's really like it it shapes who she is and that the first thing that she figures out is torture yeah yeah Yeah.
3: i mean to be to be fair she was very curious about the 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 ants (laughs)
2: Mm (laughs)
3: so like if she was brought up in a good household, she'd be a biologist, but
1: But like yeah, she she's a great curiosity. But like her killing the ants,
0: like
3: Was she killing them? I
0: think she, she did she, kill some. Yeah, to she, see, like, like a what happens if you kill somebody in the line, can they figure out where to go? <laughs> I mean, but
2: like her, I
3: thought she just put her finger on the line, but
0: Well, she killed one
1: of the in the line. Okay. But like her that's kind of a great little idea of how she kind of ends up viewing humanity, because again, synths are stronger and faster and better than humans. Yeah. Um, so I think it was also kind of a creepy little awakening of like, I am godlike compared to these little flesh bags. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. things are do not go well for flesh bags around her at all. Yeah, she's not cool.
0: Exactly. Kind of- Although I do think that the. The creators of the show purposefully made the synths very um, mortal. In that, like I think that they say at one point that they live four to seven years, mm. yeah, or something like that. So I think they're yeah. trying to instill this mortality, where they they do have to worry about what they're doing and and how much they're able to accomplish in their time. But I, it's very hard as a viewer. Um, with all the things that we've seen about artificial intelligence to limit them to that constraint, because we know that they, why can't they just like upload themselves and like come back, you know?
2: Yeah.
3: I also like how they describe consciousness. So uh, Hester, for example, calls it excess of sensory feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And V at one point calls it recurring experimental feedback loops. (laughs) um and (laughs) so they're all referring to this idea of uh consciousness as this uh supervisory unit in your mind where Mm -hmm. you basically have like a lower tier of functions in your brain that carry out um just all the tasks right and make plans and and carry them out and then consciousness is like the spotlight the second floor um like a second order awareness of what's going on at the, uh, f- the the f- ground floor, and there and and as Hester says, you wonder why you would need that. Why would why do you need to be aware of it at all, right? Um, because Hester says this excess of sensory feedback serves no function, um, right. This that's perfect. That's the, exactly the statement of the philosophical zombie problem: is uh, why does anyone have to be aware of anything that they do? um it doesn't seem to change it doesn't seem to make it better like you could have been unaware of it and it would still it still do all of the same things Mm -hmm. um right um what why what is what function does the awareness uh serve and of course if you think of it that way then you think that uh this sort of the consciousness the qualia part can kind of switch on and off independently of all the other functions Mm -hmm. um so yeah, uh, I I like that idea of um the, the fact that they asked that question. Uh, they're like, why why do I have to be aware of any of it? Um, yeah, it could just be all happening without, and that's exactly the state that they were in before, right? They were doing very complicated things, but they just didn't have that second or second order awareness of it. Yeah, oh, and, and we yeah. kind
0: of hear that um tangentially with um V and Doctor Morrow. Um, when V is is talking to her and she's saying I build the world in my mind and then she goes in to describe what that world is and she's mm-hmm. clearly stating that it's not a real world it's one that she is creating herself mm-hmm. and so it made me wonder like um, is imagination or the ability to imagine integral in consciousness you know and I think mm-hmm. that feeds into like you're creating this separate environment where you think and reflect and is that no. what it is <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that separation no. between okay. what's happening whatever are,
1: are we still talking are, are we have we moved on to v and dr what's her name Doctor um,
3: well kind of segue i guess
1: <laughs> well because i was just there was uh, there was that line that i really liked um where they elon musk light um, <laughs> comes in to 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 be a boy wonder or whatever and uh, he's like, you know, trying to basically kind of, I guess, like apply the Turing test a little bit to mm-hmm. to V and, you know, V is, you know, basically like that she says that she's not conscious or doesn't understand it mm-hmm. and then asks Dr. Ask Carrie Ann Moss, Dr. Morrow, like, why did you ask me, to, you know, why did you have me lie to him? And you're like, dun, dun, dun like what a great like little plot thickens mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um Because we, as viewers, definitely didn't associate agency with sort of our typical understanding of an AI. Like, we are still, in our current timeline, our ideas of an AI are still very similar to V in that they are sort of trapped in the machine. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Versus, you know, it's a lot harder for our brains to sort of separate the idea of what is a person and what isn't a person if
0: they look like us. Yeah. Um we make them in our image.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, even if they're not conscious, we still will apply little, you know, some amount of agency or personhood to them because they look like us, versus mm-hmm. V, who is arguably far more advanced than mm-hmm. the others, um than than the synths, but she still lives in a box. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that why did you have me lie to him, Lon? I, I, I
3: Yeah, and I like how the um Elon Musk Black We're just guy. gonna call
0: him
1: that. I don't give a shit what his real name was on this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also struggle, I don't know what his name is either, but I call him Elon Musk crossed out slash dude. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: uh he is like, Can I say hi? I really Probably. like, like he, he considers them like a person because yeah. he's like, How many neural net neural nets do you have? And she's like, I have two running. And he's like, Cool, can I say hi? <laughs> um, <laughs> that was but yeah, um, I, I actually just saw in your notes, Bubs, that uh, his company is called Qualia. Yes,
0: yeah. I was waiting for you to oh, comment I that. on that. You, I, I can't believe
3: I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's I just hilarious. Realized it now.
0: I no, yeah. I so we've we've all watched this show before. Um, I think we we all watched it before we started doing the podcast, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, at least
0: I did. I watched it. through. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I didn't remember that his company was called Qualia, but it it's become like, so every time I talk about our podcast and like, I have like an offshoot of like, uh, if anyone asks more questions about it, a lot of the times I get onto the, the point of Qualia where I'm like, yeah, well, so Shaheen talks about philosophical stuff, like this thing, Qualia. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I've, ex- I've explained it to a lot of people. So it's always like very conscious. So I think that's why when I was watching, I was like, Oh, Qualia, what? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So
2: yeah, it it is
0: something that like it's not something that I think lay people know what it is. It is like a very industry industry technical. It is jargony,
3: specialized. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. It's kind of like that upside down A thing that remember that that means all. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, mm -hmm. in
3: the in humans, there's like an upside down A. That's something that like that's symbolic logic, so like a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with that. It's really cool mm-hmm. that they have these little things.
1: They they probably did it specifically for you. I will you know, <laughs> if you ever hear about yeah, it like- Sam from for Sam me Vincent. and like
3: one other person who cares uh, about. <laughs>
1: no, I, you know, I, I think I think uh Jonathan Brackley and Sam Vincent, the showrunners and writers and creators and stuff, uh do do follow Maybe Geek again. Uh, you know, if they decide to listen to this uh, you know, clearly, yeah. clearly without knowing it they were doing it for you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. doing that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um,
0: so yeah. um, Apart from that, yes, we were all wowed by Carrie Ann Moss being there. Me, because Joe put it in her notes and then I googled her and I was like, oh my god, Trinity! (laughs) Um, But it's kind of nice because I feel like a lot of writers for sci-fi idolize other sci-fi that was really good. So, Mm -hmm. I I always feel like it's a win when they got somebody who was a big you know, iconic character in sci-fi. like
1: In a really amazing piece, like say what you will about the the second and third movies yeah. i haven't like, seen them the first matrix was phenomenal so and if you good. and if you like the special effects the concept all of it and then if you rewatch it like it actually holds up really well um yeah Understood. like not a lot of sci-fi does and like mm-hmm. the way that they shot it and like you know all of the practical effects you know it, yeah. It's just fucking good. The Matrix amazing, was fucking yeah. good. It was really good.
3: It's a really good. One. Um, and the story and so, yeah. is genius. Like, all the stuff with the um, the Oracle is, is amazing. And the kids.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. At the same time, though, like, now as an adult who has had to pay bills <laughs> and, like, <laughs> live in the not fun portion of life i'm like ugh, leave me in the matrix Leave me a princess like i just want somebody to like undo my buttons before i take like a bath a bubble bath <laughs> and have like a goblet of wine before bed um but like it's not a glass it's a fucking goblet it's a goblet
1: yeah, yeah
3: you're you um, came to the conclusion that uh what's his name switch or who's the guy who betrayed them
0: was it Switch or was it... Switch text? was a woman, I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. Joe
1: Pagliano.
3: Whatever, yeah. He, he came to that conclusion. That the oh, mattresses. but hey,
1: look.
0: Such an easy 90s movie reference today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? He, it was the guy that wanted to come back as like a rock star.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah,
3: someone shit, famous. Someone? Who was he? Cypher. Cypher.
0: Cypher. I don't think... It, yeah, Twitch was like she died, but right. was Switch. good.
3: I think she was... Uh, and it was interesting that she was called Switch because she was transgender.
0: Ah, uh, I did not notice that. Not, I don't think she was transgender. I think she was just gender fluid.
3: Well, I think there gender was a story that they wanted. Yes,
0: excuse my lack of known terms for it, but I think yeah, she was. She seemed yeah. gender non-conforming. Yeah. Um. Or maybe,
1: maybe, um, you know. She was known as Switch because she is in the BDSM community and lets people know right off the bat that, you know,
2: (laughs) she's versatile
1: with a Switch. (laughs) Uh, Oh, or that, or that, you know, it's just, it just keeps on giving. Um, Um, Have you guys seen that community
0: episode where um, Troy's grandmother... It's, oh my god, getting the switch? The switch! So yeah, Troy's grandmother is like the worst and <laughs> he's trying to explain to everyone that like she is the worst and Britta's like, well, you know our elders like blah blah blah, trying to like explain like elders to everybody and and so she, in respecting the elders she Ooh. brings Troy's oh grandma a switch which is just like a branch. <laughs> it's a beat stick. Yeah, it, and she gets pounded with it um go on (laughs) i thought that was hilarious though because it's it's one of those things where like someone is trying to be culturally open to whatever that whatever that culture means and then the people in that culture like i told you bitch i told you (laughs) now you have to deal with this um that was hilarious but yeah so i don't even know where we are in this now um (laughs)
3: Finish but yeah, well
0: Dr. Morrow, I I really like Dr. Morrow not just because she's Trinity, um but I I kind of love this storyline that she has that she her daughter died. Do mm-hmm. we know this at this point though? I'm not uh, sure. no, I do. mean it's kind of
1: intimated. Like
0: we kind of get the sense. I think yeah, in the second episode there is like a, a flashback yeah, kind. of her by the the bed of her daughter who is in a coma. Um so that's where we start to figure out what's going on, um. But I I do love the science behind an actual brain that was so so uh, like copied, um. Oh, and
1: it's it's super. It's a lot like Leo oh, for that oh. matter. Um, because like what like Leo because he was he drowned yes. and then his dad basically like made him half synth in order to like preserve all of his memories, but yes. it, the difference of course being that. You know, and we, we find out about this later on with Leo that, like, having perfect recall as, as a human is fucking awful. Um, because <laughs> yeah. there is no way to, like, process all of that information in because it's all real and happening every time you remember it. Um, but clearly yeah. V doesn't necessarily have this issue. Like, however sort of the transfer worked, because she is, you know, fully contained within the machine, I guess that there's not that sort of issue with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that they didn't make Carrie Ann Moss's character quite like a mad scientist, um, but that she is brilliant and she will kind of go too far.
0: Um, Yeah, she's very cold. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, it's like, I, I struggled with that, but at the same time, you think about people in the lab, they have to deal with a lot of difficult things, especially Mm -hmm. if they work in the health industry, which is, you know, testing a lot of things that are supposed to be given to humans, obviously the, you know, testing on an animal is like a lesser thing to testing on a human. So you you kind of like create this detachment from the test environment. And I think that that's what she has. And that's why even when um, faced with cognizant robots... She doesn't necessarily see them that way. She sees them as programming that is, um, what is the word? Um
3: malfunctioning.
0: <laughs> Well, it's like, um, it's possibly a, a road to the future. So she sees the programming. She doesn't see the human or quote unquote, the being behind the programming. So mm-hmm. she doesn't feel anything when she just kind of kills these robots, I
2: guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she's also, also not
3: entirely sure at this point. Yeah. If they are conscious or what that means and But yeah, I mean I definitely it's I mean, I teach scientific reasoning and like how to design experiments and stuff and most mm-hmm. experiments that would be ideal for a scientist
2: mm-hmm. are
3: immoral. Um, yeah <laughs> like the perfect design is often immoral um and so, so, you're like, you well, all...
1: so we need to kill some people probably slowly <laughs> yeah. and maybe painfully
0: yeah it's yeah, like to like have, have pure have to, like, data you have to do things to ensure that that is pure and yeah. that doesn't it's not necessarily
3: you have to control every variable and that means you have to like ruin someone's life
2: yeah. <laughs> like you have Well like to twin studies yeah.
0: Forcing, you know, twins love each other. I've seen this firsthand identical twins love each other. They have this special affinity that is not replicable under any mm-hmm. other setting. So the fact that, like, they will split up these identical twins to study them in the wild. And they see, you know, it's, it's super interesting because yeah. they see these people, you know, buy the same car, go to the same college, have the same job, name their children the exact same things. um it's it's fascinating but at the same time you are stripping a person from a friend that defies any other level of friend
2: um, Uh, i thought that they
3: they study them when this has happened accidentally um it's kind of uh, an unfortunate thing for them but a fortunate thing for the scientists Um, Right, so most twin studies are on separated twins that were separated by accident.
0: I I think 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 that that's true for the ones where the parents made that choice, but I think for ones where the identical twins were forfeited, Uh that choice was made for them. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. They were
3: given up and then they decided to raise them in separate...
0: Sorry. yes there's a okay. there's a really great documentary that i have not seen so i guess i should not call it great because i have not seen it <laughs> um but it's triplets that find each other in college oh the dudes the yeah boys?
1: yeah i remember seeing like of that but yeah that like they happen to all meet in college
0: yeah and we're like wait yeah exactly but it's yeah. really funny That's because funny. they're very like it's Genetics, like, I'm convinced that genetics is, like, 90% of it, <laughs> based on these studies. Um, I think yeah. that, like, um, twins who are raised together actually try to be different. But, so, I, I lived with twins um, for... Three or four, three years maybe, um, and it was so funny because we would watch TV, and so if I'd watch an episode of something with one twin, and the other twin would be out of town and then come back, and they'd be like, "Hey, I missed that episode. Would you mind if we watched it again?" I'd be like, "It's fine. If we'll watch it again." So it was so funny because they would comment the same thing at the exact same time for the episode, and I was just like, "Oh my god, it's so weird. It's so weird." Um, and they and they would even feel like. They'd be like, he said that at the same time, didn't he? And I'd be like, yep, yep, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. This is where we are.
3: <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I would love to witness that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always I, thought I think, it
3: was kind of a, a myth that, like, they do the exact same
0: things. No, it is it is absolutely not. I can speak firsthand. Um, <laughs> they, they just have very similar patterns of thinking.
3: Yeah. Yeah, anyway so the point being that uh the the ideal experiment is often immoral and if the scientists yeah. whenever scientists didn't have like official reasons like whenever they weren't they knew they weren't going to get in trouble or the morality of it was unclear they don't have a good track record of <laughs> doing nice things they usually mm-hmm. do shitty things because yeah the ideal experiment is usually immoral from a human standpoint
2: yeah exactly yeah.
0: Okay, let's. Um, I think we've mostly done episode one, but we've spoken a lot, and I think some of episode two has
2: bleeded into
0: that. Yeah. So let's try to just like touch on the the subjects that we've missed. Um, for episode two, one of the biggest developments is that we start to go into the um the lawsuit, yeah. and I think that that's super interesting. Um, and I think the focal point of the series basically, um, in terms of whether synths should have citizen rights and this isn't actually a new fight. Like this is, um, in my notes I have, there are scientists, marine biologists who have fought for dolphins, um, and that, that, um, what are they called? Um, primates too. Cetaceans. Um, But especially cetaceans, more than than even primates. So these are like whales and dolphins. Well, that they should have citizenship or at least be known as individuals who are capable of thinking and viewing and have Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Well, and like that the idea that it would be sort of illegal to
1: jail these animals in water parks.
0: To jail, to use them for entertainment, to kill for food. Would be murder because of the level of self awareness awareness that these creatures have, yeah um and I think one of my favorite stories is a beluga whale um named um Newts or Newt or something like that um he was being trained is this in, the um, Russian one not not the recent Russian one um although he's adorable, <laughs> and I watch videos about him yeah. all the time, but um similar area. Um, there was a beluga whale in a, in a training thing and, um, he would hear people speak. And so he was the only one, I think the only beluga whale in this training, um, environment. And so he would go off by himself and practice saying things that sounded like human words. Oh my God. So he would, he would like in the water, like just try to, you know, sound out things. And I mean like how can you say that that's not like a level of sentience where he's trying to
2: communicate um, connect
0: with humans?
1: <laughs> I mean, how how cute is that? I mean, that's amazing, but like even beyond that, like even if you've just owned like a regular, you know, dog or a cat or something, like there are moments where like the cat will come running in from outside and just mm-hmm. yell in my face and then run back outside. And then come back in and continue to yell at me. And, like, I know he's trying to tell me something. Like, I don't know what the fuck he's trying to communicate. But, yeah. like, he is insistent there is <laughs> something happening. Like, and it's not just, like, hey, feed me. It's, like, he is, there's food in the bowl. It's not, like, a need yeah. like that. It is him trying to tell me something and being really frustrated that I don't understand it.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, I you definitely know, I have those eat- moments with Theo where I'm, like, she's she's like god why can't i make words because <laughs> they like she's she makes all these long noises like very complex pitches of meow that go and together they're different yeah it's and i'm just like just trying to make a sentence like she has a complicated yeah. thing that she wants to communicate to me it's not just like hey come here or something like that and she's like oh man this sucks i can't communicate with this human <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, for sure, and like I, I totally feel that too, and I, I know that like there's a lot of people who say like we're anthropomorphizing their yeah. their their reactions, but like th- there are times when like um, Bonsai, well, you know, he's very vocal, as you guys know, um, <laughs> but like where he he says he like his um, vocalizations are very like calm down, where he's like ru a roo 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 and it's <laughs> just like he's like emphasizing it and it's like soft and you're just like he's trying to say something like how is he not trying to say something but even anything like you know he has diarrhea and he goes to the door and he's like hello we need to go outside i know it's 3 a.m but like this is an emergency (laughs) and like i know what he's saying like i know he's saying like yes i'm gonna shit myself let's please go outside (laughs) um so it's very interesting and so i i linked the article with this um if we remember we'll we'll also the post whale. it
1: when we when we post the podcast.
0: Yeah. This is about um his name is um Nock, who <laughs> who tried to mimic human speech. Um, so I think that's a really interesting story, especially with there are certain marine biologists, like I said, who are trying to um say that this phylum deserves some kind of level Percentive. of individualism. Hmm. Um
1: I I like that what it did with Niska's story is sort of set up this like impossible paradox Mm -hmm. because Niska wants to prove that she's a person and get rights as a person but the problem with that is then she will be tried as a person Mm -hmm. but if she doesn't get proven to be a person then they'll just unplug her anyway yeah and you're kind of like well okay okay like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an oddly noble thing for Niska to do, except she's not doing it out of nobility. She's doing it because
0: she's mad. Well, it's, but no, I think she is in part doing it out of nobility um, because it is it is kind of a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like she, you know, she, she spoke with Astrid who said, we just guide them. Um, but like, I think she, what she was really struggling with is like, what world, what future do I have and what future do any of us have in a human world and so from that perspective um yeah she killed a person so for her personally it's it's complicated but in terms of all of them not all of them are guilty of anything and so she has to do this precedent which i think that she's banking on her being a murderer being a a very um like a, a sensational news thing that people would want to prove. So if she's proved to be a murderer because she's able to have that level of, um, what's the word on um, agency. Then she is essentially also proving that, um, sentient robots exist and are able to pursue their interests. So it, it's, it's yeah, like, yeah, I she is a martyr in a sense.
3: I definitely agree with that. And I think that, um, also, in addition to that, um, she so she's kind of thinking that, personally, for me, this may not turn out well. Uh, there's maybe a chance that she'd be acquitted um, mm-hmm. if they say that, well, she was under very, uh, you know, odd Duress? circumstances and whatever. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, one could argue it like that she did it in self-defense of rape because... Yeah. She was yeah. there against her will. She did not want to have sex with this person who wanted her to pretend to be a child that was being raped. Like,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's complicated because it was her job. But yeah, you could see her like being.
1: But she didn't want
3: to acquitted. do that job. Like, yeah, but yeah. she also didn't have rights at the time. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I agree with you that like it's I could see a, a jury might think, yeah, I will, I can forgive that. So, right, but if, if you even, took.
1: If you took a a human woman and Mm. she was sex trafficked into that Mm. situation, would we still hold her the same accountable?
3: Yeah, no, it would definitely, I think, reflect. So I guess, yeah, 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 Niska's
1: banking on hopefully getting personal. Yeah,
3: but but. so I was saying that, like, even if she does get um, convicted as a murderer, I think what that, what she will have achieved is that she established rights for for since as you know the fact that she was tri- uh, tried as a human means that she is succeeded right and so she would she's just thinking that the utility of that is much higher than um her own personal survival because if the, they don't have human rights then they will never have a chance to um prove their humanity um right this is kind of again like the how do you need to practice agency, right? And and you can see the paradox with with Niska herself because it's she's saying I wanna I wanna be examined to potentially be given human rights, but then what's stopping them from just turning her off because currently she doesn't have any rights? So a thing is saying, hey, I wanna have rights, but you need to give it some dignity, some rights in order to be able to even make that case, Mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise, you can just turn it off.
1: I mean, I think that's a huge leap of faith for her to, like, turn herself in, for sure.
3: Yeah, and uh, um, it's interesting that the authorities went along with it and they decided to give it a chance, because, yeah, like I said, they could just turn it off, but the fact that they're going along with it means on some level they think that maybe they could be convinced, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. anyway, so... Uh, I think that that's uh, that makes sense to me why Niska is doing that, although I agree it's a little out of character she's not known to be like so altruistic yeah but, but I, I don't it makes think they sense know of that. the strategy
0: i, I think that we, we what we've seen of her is high suspicion and um fear of humans, but mm-hmm. not I don't think she's shown any of that towards her own kind. So I think that it's still, you know, she's categorized humans as uh, there are a few who are okay, but ultimately, um, my people are the ones in trouble. And if I can do this and prove that um, we can think and that we are persecuted, then I can help a lot of my kind. So I do see like... um, i do think that she sees her kind as um being innocent for the most part in needing of protection unlike humans i do sort
1: of love that when she turned herself in and like there are like fourteen thousand guns trained on her and stuff and like she like recognizes that she needs to pretend that they can hold on to her like Mm -hmm. she offers up her hands for the handcuffs (laughs) but like Mm -hmm. she busts out doesn't she like I feel um,
0: like when things don't go her way, yes.
1: Yeah. Like so, at the very end, she's like, "You know what? Fuck this noise! I'm done with your nonsense!" And just like yeah. breaks out. So I love that she sort of gave this false sense of security to 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 her captors, mm-hmm. like knowing <laughs> that like they needed to feel safe, even though she's like, I mean, uh, these handcuffs. I mean, the she's handcuffs smart.
3: are kind of just like yeah. rubber bands.
1: Yeah. yeah, to her. Yeah,
3: yeah. which
1: I, I I think it's funny that. They're saying she's not a person, and yet they try to restrain her as if she were human. Yeah. yeah. Like, here's some regular little Joe Schmo handcuffs, and you're like, you do know that you're arguing that she's a fucking killer robot, and yet this is what you're, <laughs> this is your defense. Okay. Anyway. Basically. Just, yeah. Okay. People are, people are dumb is really the the TLDR of it.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so any other thoughts before you get into Well actually.
3: So I had some stuff with the Leo and Max um, okay. in the second episode, and I think tell me if tell me if I'm wrong. I think this is a deleted scene, but tell me if this was in your version. There's a long conversation between Hester and Max uh, out in some alley.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Is yeah, that, that in was, your yeah yeah? At least
1: possibly. Whether or not we got the whole scene that you got, I don't know.
3: So yeah, so it was very interesting because they said a lot of really important stuff so uh hester asks you believe harming our prisoner was wrong but getting the information was right so that's that's first thing that's interesting like every fucking sentence in this it, it kills me like I, you can talk about it um forever so like yeah it says yeah if harming the prisoner was wrong but the outcome of getting the information was a good thing. Um, does then doesn't that then make harming the prisoner a good thing, right? So it's kind of
2: like I mean I that gets into whether or not torture argument.
1: works, and is the information that you get out of torture actually valuable, or are they just going to say yeah. whatever it is they want you to say?
0: Honestly, yeah. I don't know where I fall on it. Um, if there are asked, which I feel like we've been taught that torture doesn't necessarily work um yeah, are there situations like... where things are grave enough that we'll try anything um for example a situation where a lot of people's lives are at stake um yeah. knowingly um i i don't know
3: this it's... is called the ticking time bomb problem oh is
0: it <laughs>
3: yeah it's um... kind of like the trolley problem of torture yeah problem.
0: it's like <laughs> i i would say yes if we knew that we were going to get information that would help and this person's bad quote unquote um but we don't always know that and so how do we protect people yeah. against what is done
3: yeah you know, and know. more generally um like aside from it being torture more generally like she's asking if you think that the consequence of it was a very good thing,
2: mm-hmm.
3: then how can the act itself be a bad thing, um, given that it was also it was done with the intention of bringing about that very consequence? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how could that be? And and because Max says yes, but torturing him was still wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So is that because the good that comes out of the consequence is not? enough to outweigh the bad or is it that uh, there's something bad about it that cannot be outweighed by anything um that no matter what good comes out of the torture it's just going to be wrong regardless yeah which one do you think i think it's the second one that max means
0: i think so too but yeah I, I wouldn't say they're super clear about it
3: yeah and and that's interesting right are there any things that we think are just wrong regardless of consequences um like even if the not, yes. even if not doing it would mean everyone would die we would i, I still think not that
0: do it. people collecting the sentient robots blindly is wrong. No. Um, I think any plans the robots come up with to combat the humans, um, without direct, um, threat of light is wrong. Um, e- even if I can understand it, either way, humans or robots. Um, but it's. I think Wait, they mostly so, can you
3: say the second one? Any plans that the robots come up with? Yeah. Is wrong. so uh
0: n- not not that it's so for example, where they come up to a were they to come up with to with a plan so a lot of them say are um nannies so were they come were they to come up with a plan for awareness where they steal the children from school because they know that they have access to the school as nannies mm-hmm. and held those children hostage I would say that that's wrong even if it was about awareness and they weren't actually going to hurt the children. Mm -hmm. So things like that.
3: Yeah. And what, what characterizes those things that are wrong, regardless of consequences. Like one example you might think is like, there might be situations where you think if uh, there is like two factions that are fighting in some place. And if one of them completely wipes out the other one, um there will be peace after that mm-hmm. um but if they don't completely wipe them out and just fight them and harm them
0: mm-hmm.
3: then they'll be fighting forever so so
0: this is like the world war ii atomic bombs
3: um sure yeah that's a, that's a good example too yeah and i think yeah it this came up on, on another uh, another episode where um, I talked about it, this interview I saw with the with the person, the pilot yeah. who dropped the one on uh, Hiroshima. And he said that he would do it again if it, if it happened again because he thought that given the circumstances, that was the right thing to do. But I think it's things of that sort that we tend to think uh, it doesn't matter that it would be better afterwards Mm -hmm. um you that's just not the way to achieve it yeah like another way is like another thing to to think about is like if we wanted to get rid of all sorts of congenital diseases and allergies and things like that we could just not take care of them for a little while and then they would go away and everything would be great but we don't think that's that's good, regardless of the consequences. <laughs>
0: I actually struggle with that a lot because I think all the time um, that we, as humans, we, we, pre- we work with all of these difficulties that we have, allergies, asthma, um, astigmatism, nearsightedness, farsightedness, all these things, which historically would have been weeded out with um, natural selection. Yeah. And so, right, so like we how do people in antiquity see things? Like holy
1: shit! Before glasses were invented, like you how the would fuck die? Did we, did you just die as a child? You're like, well, I
0: can't see my dinner. I guess I'm <laughs> deaf. Yeah, it, it was like, oh, uh, there's a fire because we built things out of wood, and we didn't think about it a lot when we put our fireplace in there and there's a fire, and the one that couldn't really see where the exit was didn't make it out. <laughs> um, I, I, it, it was a thing. Like, it was, you know, it, in times of struggle, if you couldn't see, if you couldn't fight, if you couldn't hunt for yourself, you, you wouldn't make it. So, um, we would obviously naturally select for the strongest genes up until that point. But, you know, yeah. But um, we also in that space built up the maternal slash paternal love. So when we got to a point where we could try to combat the illnesses with glasses or with inhalers or with all these other things, we did obviously because parental love was strong enough, um, and human compassion was strong enough. Um, but you have to wonder we we are making ourselves weaker. But does that matter? I don't know, and and you yeah. think about like a move the movie. Um, I think I think they actually did a really good job with it. Um, Independence Day, the alien movie with Will Smith and <laughs> a bunch of other people. It's another '90s movie reference. We're getting yes. them all out of the way. I feel like we've used Independence Day like over and over though, because yeah, awesome. but it's uh, it's such a great movie. But you know, so those aliens that they captured had these suits that um not only protected them from um our atmosphere, but just like from everything like they, they were, you know, by themselves were like octopusy, squishy and stuff, but with the suits, they were protected. And it was very hard to cut into them and all these things. Um, so you could say that they were um, vulnerable based on the revolution, but technologically based on the brains that they cultivated, they came up with, um, things that compensated for that so so with humans like i think that that's kind of where we are where we compensate with for our weaknesses but at the same time we are allowing these weaknesses to happen but like yeah. how can we not like the where's the line are, are we really going to say like you can't see 20 feet away so you must die so <laughs> that other yeah. people can be stronger and we can all be stronger as you know we're, we're not going to do that we're not because like um individual um rights are much higher than that of um genetic strength as a species um we've shifted what our values are um but yeah we are yeah. we 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 kind of are like um upholding We're
3: sabotaging weak, our organization
0: yeah but yeah. at the same time, it's like as long where i where I fall to it because i it's so i I go back and forth I'm like, am I a Nazi? do I want people to just <laughs> die? Um, But I I come back to it, like, if we can brain our way around these things, fine. Let's do it. Um, Once we can't, that's where I'm like, I I don't really know what we do. Um, But I think so far we've been able to brain our ways around everything. Um, (laughs) So let's let's keep doing that, I guess.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so then Hester says that, and then... And then she asks, you've never hurt a human? And Max says, only in defense of others. Mm -hmm. And Hester says, I was attempting to act in the defense of others. Um, the she was. The the other synthetics who have been captured or killed, like 10. And Max says, we must always do our utmost to avoid inflicting suffering on others. Mm -hmm. Only very rarely can it be justified. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So... That's a very interesting conversation. So Max is trying to carve out when violence is justified, right? Mm-hmm. And, or hurting other people. And so one example that he mentions is self-defense is of others or self-defense. And um, that's typically one that a lot of people think justifies uh, violence. Mm-hmm. Is, you know People think if your own life is in danger, that makes sense um though i mean it's interesting to think why that is why that is but anyway um then he says maybe like widens the circle a little bit says maybe it can be justified in other circumstances but it's very rarely justified we must always do our utmost to avoid inflicting suffering so it sounds like he is not giving equal weight to suffering and happiness to Mm -hmm. pain and pleasure is giving much more weight to suffering and pain than happiness and pleasure. He's, in, in his accounting, when he's counting the total value of an action, mm-hmm. um, he thinks, yes, by torturing this person, you saved. you may have saved a lot of lives, and that's a lot of happiness and pleasure that you added to the world. But the suffering that you inflicted outweighs that. Um, because mm-hmm. suffering in general has a much higher weight so his his morality is sort of uh, is sort of interesting right it's not exactly utilitarian that says um, maximize happiness and minimize suffering in the world it's sort of a lopsided utilitarian that says um, first and foremost avoid inflicting suffering and then mm-hmm. if you can increase happiness in the world then you go ahead and do that um mm-hmm that's interesting right that's another way to explain why we think those sorts of things like genocide and stuff aren't good Uh um this regardless of consequences because maybe we give more weight to suffering compared to happiness
0: yeah um i think that's true i think
3: it's is that rational though like should we do that
0: uh, we try to see suffering as temporary I think that what it
1: is, is if we see someone suffering, we are much more able to empathize with that person's suffering and saying, I would feel that, like that, mm-hmm. that is horrible. I, do, I don't want that for me. Um, mm-hmm. Versus I think someone's happiness, you have to be a very good person to see someone's happiness and not be jealous. Like you're never going to be jealous happy. of someone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, you know, like, sure, like, I'm happy when something happens, you know, good for someone else, especially if it was something that I didn't want. But if it was something that I, too, wanted, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. very different. I mean, because I'm an asshole. So I'm like, well, fuck you. Why didn't I get that thing? Um, you know, versus something where it's suffering, where I am not a super empathetic person, but, like, I think it's much... Yeah. I think You're
0: however, more empathetic r- than you think you are. Thanks.
1: Yeah, like,
3: when I see happy couples on the street... And I'm single. If I'm not single, I'm like, oh, so cute. But if I'm single, I'm like, you guys are gonna break up like ugly next month.
0: You're gonna get chlamydia, <laughs> or she's gonna be pregnant, and then nine months from now, you're gonna be like, that's not my yeah. kid. <laughs> Two blue eyes can make brown eyes. Point zero one percent of the time. That 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 must be what happened here. Cracked. <laughs> yeah so no
3: totally so yeah that's interesting the asymmetry between happiness and suffering in usual formulations of utilitarianism or consequentialism they're given equal weight but mm-hmm. i think it's an interesting idea to think about maybe we don't give them equal weight
1: i think, mm-hmm. I and, I think it's yeah the empathy
3: is an interesting point is we somehow we yeah we empathize with suffering more than with happiness
1: i think i think it's that like if someone is happy then they don't need anything from us. Like, they have achieved... That's the default. ...and and are doing their thing. Like, that's great. But, you know, like... Like, my cat fucking had, had foot surgery, like, a couple of weeks ago. And, like, I was crushed and anxious the whole time because I could tell that he was uncomfortable and sad, and I couldn't fix it. Versus mm-hmm. when he's, like, running around being a spaz and enjoying himself, like, great, go for it, <laughs> asshole. Like, you yeah. do not require my help. There's nothing that I could really do to, like, improve your situation. You're good enough. But, you know, if you care about someone or something or your pet or however you want to define them as, as personhood, and they are suffering, then... You want to fix it. But if they're already happy, then there's nothing to fix. Yeah.
3: That's interesting, right? Because that's that's an argument that um, empathizing with suffering has more evolutionary value than empathizing with happiness. Because when you empathize with suffering, um, you'll be helping someone. Whereas with happiness, it's less dire that you empathize with it because they don't need anything.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> you're fucking happy. You're fine. Let me deal with my own suffering
0: then. Well, yeah, it's it's like I think it's um, so the evolutionarily we humans are social. So we create these communities. Um, so if we empathize with someone who's happy, they might sh- temporarily share in their happiness with us. But it's not going to be something that they remember all the time because they didn't really need it versus someone who's having a hard time. If we empathize with their struggle and we're there for them, it's something that they are going to remember moving forward because we Mm -hmm. facilitated their life. You know, you know, we we made it possible for them to continue living and having a fulfilling life. Um, And so I think that those aspects are rewarded. Because, you know, socially, we, you know, it facilitates um, successful continuation of that line.
3: Yeah, I wonder, so it makes sense that it's, um, it would be selected for evolutionarily. But that still leaves it open for us to say maybe it's irrational. Maybe we should uh, try to go against this instinct because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, the what matters is the total amount of happiness and suffering in the world, right? So, like, all of the happiness minus all of the suffering is what matters.
0: Well, but evolutionarily, it doesn't.
3: Evolutionarily,
0: <laughs> it's what survives. So, helping somebody continue surviving is always going to have the edge to helping somebody having a good time.
3: Right, but is it rational? Like, there are a yeah. lot of things that are instinctual that are not good.
0: What do you um, what do you mean? Well no, I, I'm just saying that at the end of the day that it's if you're helping something survive that's where the bonus points bonus points come from in evolution. Not right. not um not hatching your wagon to the strongest thing per se, but the but increasing the survivability of something.
3: Right. So that explains why it would be selected for. Mm-hmm. but we could say now regardless of how it was selected whether it's a good thing or not right because mm-hmm. you can you know obviously like the instinct for aggression was also selected for yes. um but we think that in most cases it's not a good thing or i would argue that like the instinct like sex in the wild is is usually really? not you know affirmative consent so <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> um like people evolved to to rape not to like be nice yes. but we don't think it's a good thing
0: So for example you know? ducks um the Wait, duck
1: penis... It's a, it's a constant uh battle uh the, yeah. the female ducks end up evolving really crazy little corkscrew cervixes, yeah, exactly. and then <laughs> the male ducks then evolve corkscrew penises Yes
0: and so so in that case though it it involves like, can you stand this duck? Can no. you stand him long enough for him to corkscrew his way into you? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it is protective, right? where where, it's like, um, um, if, if this duck can pass the muster and be able to stay near this other duck long enough, this lady duck, um, he might be able to screw his penis into her twisty vagina so Mm -hmm. so it is like there's a social aspect that develops um because it increases the survivability of the species um Mm -hmm. so yeah my
3: point point is that just because something had evolutionary value doesn't mean it's morally good
0: oh yeah yeah for sure Yeah, yeah yeah um i mean what is it Genghis Khan is the ancestor of eighty percent of Asia, <laughs> something like that.
3: I think uh, they say that a lot of people, like surprise, a surprising number of people in the world, not just Asia, have well, descendants have, of
0: Asia. Yeah,
3: have genes that trace back to Genghis Khan.
1: Wait, yes. I I'm sorry. I've, what are we even talking about? I feel like we have gone on a very uh, whether it's We're rational about... to
3: care more about suffering than happiness, or is it irrational? And
0: yeah, and so in evolution, it's it's like evolution doesn't really care if you're nice or not. It cares about what keeps the genes going. Yeah. So, but there are instances where being nice keeps the genes going, and there are instances where being a dickhead keeps the genes going. And so, Genghis Khan is an example of where rape succeeds in a lot of a lot of species are um where rape succeeds. Yeah. Unfortunately. But a
1: lot isn't. A lot of them are mating dance dependent and then, you know, dudes getting rejected because their their the nest that they built was terrible and females
2: yeah. <laughs> you.
3: The garbage they collected wasn't, yeah, exactly. right? Shiny, sure, shiny enough.
1: yeah. Meanwhile, you, you have a bird like an ostrich who has a very elaborate mating dance and waits to find out if, if if he has succeeded. And then if he gets rejected, then he's like, he sadly walks away. He does not rape like a yeah. duck. He is just... He doesn't get to rape.
0: No, he's just depressed. He's just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, no, seriously, I, I think bird watching is a next level entertainment thing. And anyone who was into Pokemon, I I, I, I just want to say, be a bird watcher
1: because you gotta catch them
0: all there too. <laughs> you were
1: such an old man in your hobbies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> all right, I'm starving. Um, can we go get cool. actually?
0: Well, actually, um, I, I think I was think the I only one, one who wrote something down, but like, I don't think it was a strong well actually. Um,
1: yeah, there was nothing that really like yeah we already talked about one
3: thing general will actually okay um so the sense so i get it they look like humans and everything maybe they built in penises and vaginas for them fine i don't know how they get erect whatever um and maybe it even feels warm inside there whatever but they gotta smell weird right they can't (laughs) smell like humans
1: like like if they off gas like whenever you like open up like like a like a foam mattress and you have to like let it inflate um, yeah. know, when it comes shrink wrapped and you're like what yeah. the smell? I, maybe yeah.
0: they can control it though. Maybe they can adjust how they smell. Do they person. make them smell
1: like people? Like not necessarily bo, but like people have a smell and different people yeah. have different smells well, and like um, that also speaks to a lot of our attractions. possible? Like, <laughs> I
3: feel like we, there's so much like smell communication that's mm-hmm. unconscious and we just sort of, um, figure out if we like the smell of someone or not. Um, and it's very complicated and it depends on a lot well, of things, like depends on how they sweat, depends on what they eat, depends, well, you know.
0: No, a lot of it is multi-histocomplex. Um, is which is the, um, it's associated with your immune profile. And so mm, yeah. humans and a lot of other animals. Um, so the key is anybody out there looking for a mate, don't be on birth control. Um, which, complicated suggestion. But um, when you're on birth control, you are attracted to people who have similar immune profiles than you, because, um, when you're in birth control, your body thinks it's pregnant basically. So, um, when so your body looking is looking for a mate, well, it's, it, it wants to surround itself with uh, familiar DNA. So, um, brothers, fathers, uncles, people who they know would protect it because it's a, a familiar entity. Um and so you might be attracted to someone who's very familiar genetically. You'd be attracted
3: to your brother, is that what you're trying well,
2: to say? No,
0: no, no, brother, <laughs> father? no, no. Westmark is still in effect. Um, <laughs> but you you might be attracted to someone who's just very similar. So in that case, um, what happens? Either nothing happens and you have very strong children, or um, you might have. Maybe it's more likely to be allergic to things um, and the like, things like that, asthma, whatever, um, versus mm. if you're not on birth control, you're attracted to people with a complementary um, complex. Yeah. Um, And so your children are less likely to be allergic to things or to have asthma or any of those things. Still, either way, you should be taking your children to a farm to play in the dirt um, because that's also been a proven thing where children who are raised in like a city that's very or a lot of like hand sanitizer, um, they don't develop um, strength against pollen, etc., whatever. Um, this
3: rapidly turned into a family health podcast.
0: <laughs> well, it's these are things that like super interest me.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, no, it's <laughs> it, it's fascinating. It
0: totally applies to this idea of like what people seek out. um
3: Yeah, it's also depressing to think that like you think you have reasons for why you like someone, but it's all bullshit. It's really just about the smell <laughs> or something. It's
0: just about not, the not immune system. <laughs> no, no, no. It, I, I see everything as like. Um, there's pluses and minuses, so how somebody looks, pluses, plus or minus, um, how how they behave, plus or minus, their um, immune profile, plus or minus, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of different things. Um, sure, some you can't control, but for the most part, it, it it's figuring out how somebody wants to be treated and catering to that. So, yeah.
3: Wow, that's a very healthy attitude towards dating.
0: yeah cool (laughs) um so let's talk about what are you guys watching and what do you recommend
1: um so we girlfriend and i watched many of things on your list bub so i won't steal any of them okay um but last weekend like in a day we watched the politician which is on netflix it Mm -hmm. is a um
0: fuck what's his name um um weird guy close-up magic from pitch perfect what ryan murphy yes <laughs> but no no no. i met the actor
1: oh i don't know i never saw he,
0: he did the close-up magic on pitch perfect in cool. case you
1: um so sure. it's a ryan murphy show but not an annoying ryan murphy show and in, in other ways no. i would say it's a peak ryan murphy show it's more popular than it is glee um mm. in that it's like biting and acerbic and it has a bunch of cast uh you know, that he recycled and brought over, um, from his, Amer- uh, his American horror story days. Uh, Jessica Lang is in it just having a great time camping it up. Um, it's, it's dark. It's, like- it's funny. It's about a high school. It's about a very, very, very rich high school, um, mm-hmm. politics, like somebody trying to be class president. Um, and you know, kind of how that election goes and there's, there's a little bit more intrigue to it. And then the 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 series the the season ends with actually them introducing kind of what next season is going to be there was actually a couple year time jump um
2: so we jump ahead
1: and but uh, it's
0: done really spoiler well
1: alert. having seen it it's too. done really well and uh what's her name um jessica light is that her name uh from who's the boss something light judith i think judith light sorry okay so so, so, so the next season, um, sets up that Judith Light from Who's the Boss and fucking Bette Midler are going to be in it. Like, it's just, it's campy, it's funny, it's dark, it's, it's, it it's just good. Um, and Bette
0: Midler is the driving force in that dynamic.
1: Oh, in the, in the, for setting up the second season? Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's great like you can just tell that he's just getting these super high caliber actors who are just having a great time fucking about Mm -hmm. but the rest of the cast is really good a lot of people you'll recognize um and again like I say this it is it is it's exactly it's peak Ryan Murphy and it's not watered down like Glee ended up being like Glee had a lot of promise in like the first half of the first season and then it just became like soapy and kind of like weak weak sauce and too soft. It was too soft. Yeah.
0: Well, there's no better pilot I've ever seen in my entire life than the Glee pilot. It was amazing. It, and it was then you kept watching pilot. and you're like,
2: Pfft.
1: so, yeah. um, so anyway, so there you go. Uh I recommend The Politician and yeah. I heartily recommend at least two of the things that uh Bubs has on her list.
0: Yeah, well before I get into mine, I will say that I I just finished The Politician and I know that there's criticism out there that um it it doesn't know what it wants to be that politically it's not, like, spe- but, like, the thing is, once I finished it, I understood the criticism, but the thing is, like, it was never trying to make a commentary on a political level. Mm-hmm. It was it was never about that, and so I think people missed the mark when they were trying to judge it. Um, It really is about ambition, what that means, and we, we see a lot, like, politicians, not everybody is suited to be a politician, mm-hmm. and... Um, not all politicians are suited to be good politicians. So it it kind of plays with the idea that, like, some people have the energy and the mind for it. Um, but, but it's like trying to find the person who has the energy and mind for it, but also is the right person to do it. So it's it's very, like, psychological in that sense. But, like, the drama inherent in being a politician is what's, um, central to it. Um, and it starts off with a lot of like teen stuff, which is, it's just fun. That part is just fun. Um, but I'm really intrigued what season two is going to bring us. And I think that it is actually a very excellent show and, and and reviewers just totally did not get that part of it. Um, so yes, watch The Politician. Um, personally, I'm only going to, so I wrote a bunch of my, my recommendations because usually I'm always struggling for them, but we've been on hiatus for a month and a half or so. More? Was it more?
1: Mm, it's forever uh, The last
0: recording we did was in august end okay. of august oh okay so not so a month and a half um so in that time i actually came across some really great shows um joe said yes to two of mine that i wrote down so i'm just gonna speak about those and i'll save the, the rest for the next one um so fleabag is amazing Fleabag, um, my sister recommended it to me and generally like she's not the greatest with <laughs> recommendations. Although she didn't know, she did recommend Miss Marvel. So I have to give her that. Uh, maybe I just haven't gotten a lot of recommendations from her. Um, So Miss uh, Ma- Marvelous Mrs. Marvel is amazing. Um, Fleabag also amazing. So this is um, Amazon Peak programming. Um, and it's just like I have to say, get through the first three episodes for you to get a feel of it. Um, it, it really does not take that long to, like, get into it. Um, she seems terrible, but it's one of those things where it's, like, situationally terrible, where you're like, oh, okay, this happened, this happened, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Anyways, like, it's just... There were moments where I was laughing so hard. I think I alarmed the neighbors. Um, it, it's just really good. You have to watch it. Um, so, yeah, that's Amazon. And the other one, unbelievable, was Netflix. And I wanted to scream at my television. Um, it is about the true story of a girl who um, came out of the foster system, was um, working towards, indif- or was, in her like independent phase where she had an apartment to herself, um, she was raped by a stranger and, um, her, so her foster mother questioned her reaction to it. Um, because you know, everybody reacts to trauma differently and because she reacted in a way that was not expected, they questioned the validity of her claim and, she ended up going through a lot of shit for it. So while you're seeing the the human toll of that, you're also seeing the um investigation move on, um continuing looking into this person, and it's really interesting on both those facets both the human sa- the the human toll and the um the really good police women who pushed this investigation. Until they found somebody, and um, can I make a quick little point?
1: Yes, of course. So the police women who who sort of end up realizing that th- the whole point about this this story is that it was a serial rapist, but because different police departments different police precincts and and jurisdictions didn't talk to each other they never knew that they were looking for the same person Mm -hmm. and so it took these two these two women one of them played by tony collette and the other by Merritt weaver um and they're both phenomenal like the show is a little bit heavy-handed but not in a bad way it sort of checks Mm -hmm. the boxes that needs to but it's still very, very well done, um, and and the girl who plays the original rape victim—I cannot remember her name—but uh, she's the redhead from Booksmart, and yes. it was really great to see her go from a comedic role to like a very heavy lifting dramatic. was she the
0: redhead in Booksmart? Yeah, she was. was like she? a dark,
1: dark redhead? Like okay, an auburn, well, The but... one
0: who who doesn't know the difference between a clit and a a, bu- a butthole. Uh, yes. Anyway, <laughs> that's accurate um it was hilariously accurate it was was.
1: uh highly highly recommended that series it was hard to watch um but very very good like very very good
0: it it was really satisfying in the end Mm -hmm. um and it was worth watching just Mm -hmm. to see like the process and like what people go through because it's like i think it teaches you when you come across something and you're like, should I say something? Should I call someone and let them know that I saw that? No. It, like, I think a lot of times in my, like, past, I'm like, eh, I'm sure, like, someone else will have seen it and probably said something. So I'm just not going to bother um, because there's awkwardness in it. But, like, it teaches you, like, you should definitely say something. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, mm-hmm.
3: See something, say something. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. What do you think? What do you think I'm going to recommend?
0: Um, I I have the run sheets. So I'm going to say Harmon <laughs> Quest season.
3: Yes, three. Um, <laughs> so Harmon Quest is back season three, and it's super fun. Continues to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. The you know the I, I love the improv. I love the animation. Um, and all the D and D stuff, and also um and yeah but it's uh, it's become super macabre (laughs) um uh yeah it's very it's taken a very different um sort of theme Mm -hmm. um and yeah also incest
0: hey Hey.
1: why why did you not leave with that
3: (laughs) (laughs) there's incest in season three what kind of incest uh brother sister
0: Ooh.
1: Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> For someone with a brother, like I'm at least an only child, so I don't have you know the the genetic squick. But like you, Bubs,
0: um, the thing is, it's like I feel like everyone who is into like incesty stuff feels this way. Where I'm like, my own family, ew, gross, please stop. Other people don't sexy even bring families? it up. But other families, other hot families, like Bellamy Blake <laughs> and Octavia Blake, like. Let them get it on. Okay, well, Clearly they are unusually they want hot. What? They are unusually hot. Exactly. I have a really great gift. If ever anyone wants it, I'll send it your
1: way. Oh, God. You're <laughs> d- please send it to Bubs' personal. Do not send it to Mayweek Geek again. I do not send need Send it to Mayweek Geek again, <laughs> and I will
0: reply there. That's that's <laughs> the official channels. God
3: damn it. Yeah. Uh. So watch Harmon Quest, Incest. Yeah, it's good.
1: Cool. <laughs> Do we have anything else?
0: No. What what's happening next time, Bubs? Next episode, we'll continue our coverage of Humans, season two, episodes three and four. Again, reminder um, to tweet to us questions or comments at Naomi on Twitter. Um, so yeah, MayweeGan. yeah. Also, give us uh,
3: icebreaker games to play. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Please suggest them because I totally came up with ours today on the fly. Although I think I did a
3: job. Yeah.
2: Movie. You did a great job. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Um but yeah, we we'd love to talk about humans and we'd love to convince other people to watch it. So if you randomly listen to this without having watched it, um, watch it. And also like if there's other sci fi shows you want us to cover, let us know. Thanks guys. Definitely.
3: Bye. Right, maybe geek again.
0: Bye.